on Succession. I'm Bruce Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Spencer. How are you? I feel that even just talking about this episode is going to prolong our lives by like 30 years based on what I heard. So, you know, doing great. It's needed because I think I, I was my heart rate and blood pressure was so high during the episode that I might have taken some years off my life. So I think it, that's good. I was I was cringing hard <laughs> in this episode, for sure. Uh, it, as Roman put it, I think I cringed so hard I turned into a fossil. It was rough at parts of this. It was Kindle at his most Kindle. It really was. A lot to talk about this episode, season three, or season four, episode six, Living Plus. We have four more episodes, Spencer. There are four more episodes of Succession, and that's it. And it's over. Forever. And isn't that just great? No more Succession? Isn't that just the best way things could be, really? Well, I, I actually do kind of. I know that like you're probably teasing me because I like I like a more more show. I generally my general yes. my general take is more show, but I do think this show is probably should end. I mean, without Logan, it's got a shelf life, <clears throat> and I think some of the storylines would start to get a little tad repetitive. So I think I think it's about time to end it. I think this is a strong show in endorsement of my theory. I don't think every show works with my theory at all. But this show has just, from the word jump, been a structured, planned artifice. It's what it is. It wasn't going to be longer than four seasons because they never wrote it to be longer than four seasons. So if they tried to prolong it at this moment, it wouldn't work. They'd have to change what their entire format was. So I, I will offer you the I will offer you the olive branch that there are plenty of shows that can work fine extending off into the unforeseen future. This is clearly not one of those. Mandalorian Ted Lasso. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with the, you. I, you were I, saying Mandalorian Ted Lasso would, would, would go forever. Yeah, that sounds great. No, I think this is ending at the right time. I really do. And I'm I, I'm glad that we get to see a little bit of post-Logan. What happens? And I got to say, before we jump into our, our normal episode, you have said on this podcast, I'm kind of hitting you with this surprise. I didn't, I didn't warn you for this. You have said on this podcast that you felt like what might happen, a theory as it were, what, what theory was this? Is that the kids might go broke. That they might fuck it and go broke. Now, I push back on the term broke because they have houses here and this, that. I mean, they're not going to be like zero dollar broke, but they might be like rich person broke. Yes. They might be, like, they might be like Carvana broke. You know how like Carvana kind of went broke? Like kind of like that broke. Like Sure. Yeah. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. I'm starting to come around to your theory on this, that they're going to fuck the company before the sale, lose a ton of money, and basically be like a fraction of as wealthy at the end of the season as they were at the beginning. They'll be living in one of these living plus communities is their level of wealth that they'll have. Oh, if only we could. I mean, I did. I did honestly. I, it is a brilliant stroke by the writers. They were able to work we work into this. I, I did not think they could get we work business model into this show and damned if they didn't do it. It, it. It's WeWork meets the advertising style of like Theranos in terms of what they were going for here and it was gorgeous. It was beautiful to see this executed the way they did. This was a this was an eminently successful episode. It was hard to watch. For sure. But I think I think that's a credit to the writers here. The acting was at the top of its form. The characters were delightfully spiraling in terms of how they're coming to terms with their grief. We got to see them engage in just grand theatrics with how they're influencing the world. Success, succession at its most successioning. Succession at its most successioning. I think that's a pretty fair way to put it. I will say that I watched this episode right as I was falling to bed on Sunday night. Don't recommend that. Uh, it was very <laughs> difficult to fall asleep after this. Straight caffeine to your veins. It effect. really was like a cup of coffee, man. I was jolted. So on this episode, Alana Succession, we will review season four, episode six, Living Plus. We will start with a recap, which I lead every week. Even though 
the amount of dialogue is sort of unbelievable on this show. I mean, this episode, the, the dialogue was so fucking long. But we will go through the recap. We'll try not to make it too especially long or painful. Then we will jump into our segments. We start with best line of the episode, which Spencer every week gamely supplies me with nominees for best line of the episode. And I, God Emperor, the segment, always select one. And sometimes I even select one he doesn't nominate. And uh, fair to say, as you talked about with the sheer volume of dialogue, we got some options this week. A lot of options for best line of the episode. Then we award Roy of the Week. And typically, <laughs> the loser Roy of the Week. Which Roy yes. lost the week and which, which Roy won the week. Then we will jump over to Spencer's relationship advice of the episode, which will be a lot of fun. Do you have, do you have relationship advice of the episode based on uh, this episode of Succession? I Wars? do. I, I actually have some relationship advice this episode that means a bit to me. Oh, it means a bit to you. Uh, what a tease. God, podcast professional you are. Now I'm locked in. I'm excited. <laughs> get through Advertising. The, now you only have to get through the three hours of the recap, and Spencer will hit you with this relationship advice and, the episode that means a lot to him. And all I ask is that you drive the stock price over 190 before we get there. Yeah. I, I mean, when you look at the numbers, it's really crazy. I mean, you could just say yeah. anything. You could just say anything. Yeah, you know, double. Yeah, yeah. We can get our dad to say that before we're done. Good Lord. All right, so the recap of previous episodes includes a lot of last episode and the deal and the finagling with Madsen seems clear. The deal is the entire focus of the rest of the season. At least it does to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get this quote from Madsen. It's good parts, bad brand. I think that'll come up again. And the deal tanking and the Madsen shiv dalliance, romance, dancing, flirtation, flirtation, whatever they're doing. So we start with Logan doing a recording about living plus man. We thought, we thought Brian Cox was done getting them checks. He is not done getting them checks. I, and I love on an episode that's focused on Living Plus, he's talking to us from beyond the grave. Uh, in it, he says he thinks the profits will increase. Profits will increase. A significant boost to earnings. Profits, earnings, mm. earnings. So if the, a lot of times, like the, I don't know how much of the business jargon to like translate. I don't mean to be talking down to anybody. I think the show goes too deep into the business stuff. I really, I think if I had one criticism of the show, I would say that their dialogue is too insider baseball on the business aspect. And it just, mm. it loses people sometimes. And I don't think that's necessary. So margin typically is your, your profit. Like how much profit you have, right? You can compare that to revenue. Revenue is how much total money you rank in. And then mm-hmm. your, your margin or profit is the amount that you just get to put in your pocket that doesn't go to the expenses. Yeah, after cost. doesn't go to your operating expenses, right? It's sort of a back of the napkin way of saying so, it. So, I mean, the tenor we're getting from Logan here is pretty sober and uninterested. This is not his flagship. This isn't something that he's marketing as being something that's going to completely revitalize their brand. This is just another thing. Uh, I would venture to say Logan might be recording this unsure if Living Plus will ever actually launch. Yes. Yeah, that is fair. To, there, there is no small measure of doubt and resentment that he's even here. And then, some off-camera operator gives the same advice I give to Spencer every single podcast episode. Can you be more excited when you say the word "excited," please? Please, can you be more excited when you say "excited"? Uh, oh, oh, that that's your thought. That's the thought. Is it? <laughs> He just gives her a hard side eye, serious Logan side eye. He seems to be getting more and more angry in the clip, and finally he says, Could you please stop fucking buzzing around me? God, you're useless to a lot of you. You're as bad as my fucking idiot kids. Hugo stops it, apologizes to Kendall, 
Yeah, we realize we're, that we're watching this with the group. And says it's bullshit. And I think what Hugo's saying when he says bullshit is like, we should have cut this out so you didn't see the, the, the oh, dig at the kids. So, so, sorry that was there. Kendall says it's fine. That's a Valentine's card. I really don't think this bothers oh, oh. I really don't. I really don't think it did. I Look, I, Kendall Whisper, I had a lot of work to do this episode to try to unpack Kendall's behavior. I'll tell you right here, I don't think he was upset by this. He says, uh, good to see you, Dad. And then we just see Logan's angry face as we put it up, but up, but up, but up, but up. Notable thing I'm going to reference again later. One of the things that Kendall says, one of the last things he says is, can we watch it again? Yeah. He wants to watch again the video of the dad abusing him. Come back to that point. Well, I, just that is an element of the video. There's reasons we can debate. If this was see, it's a similar scene later. If Roman was watching this, I would say, yes, let's focus on that. I honestly think Kendall's head is spinning. With way too many ideas. He needs to back up the ideas. Clouds. And he's, Clouds. And he's thinking, Clouds. how can I use this? How can I use this to, to further my ambition of just basically taking the company, fucking the sale, and just running with it? So, Again, I'm not sure what the long-term landing is behind this plan. Don't know if, he has, if he's sure about one. what that is. There isn't one. We start with Shiv, who's watching the video of Logan, and she gets a call from Madsen. What? You came 3,000 kilometers. You can't come another 20 meters. Shiv says she's just stopping at a convenient location to refuel, and there's no reason for me to get off the plane. So, bye. Man, I tell you, she's good. She is good at, at stringing a man along. That is, she is showing some skills here. They both landed in L.A. Their planes are staring each other across the tarmac, and she knows the game and how it is played. I don't think they've both landed at L.A. because she is refueling to leave. They're, they've landed what? somewhere else. I, I think they're in L.A., but presumably she's returning to, like, New York. The show's mainly set in New York, right? No, it's set in L.A. Because they're at Waystar oh. Studios. Oh, that's right. And Kendall's out on the beach afterwards, um, you know, in the, in the water. So I think she's. I think they're in some middle location and they're refueling. Maybe who, who the fuck knows uh, where. Iowa. Yeah, who the fuck knows where. This reminds me of the... Um, do you remember when, during the 2016 presidential campaign, I know, I know, tough, tough, tough to you go on. back for anyone. I, uh, hey, hey, this is traumatic mostly for you, sir. I'm here for Painful you. for everybody. Do you remember when, like, Bill Clinton got in trouble for speaking to the attorney general on the tarmac while Hillary Clinton was being investigated? I do, yeah. That, like, look, it, look, look at this, you know. Look at this secret game, this backdoor dealing they're engaging in. Yeah, it just kind of reminded me that, like, this is a thing that, like, rich and powerful people have to deal with. Is like, oh, our planes are on the same tarmac. And, like, do we get out and speak to each other? Yes or no? Or how's that going to look? What's the optics? Et cetera, et cetera. I, I got to ask. Odds are, what are the odds that... Uh Bill Clinton walked across the tarmac in his bare feet to go to the to go to the other plane. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure he was the initiator there. He's always like over the top about like wanting to just like pal around and chat, chat, and just be buddies. But anyway, yeah, Matson hops off bare feet, bare feet on over. the tarmac. What yeah. is wrong with this man? He's that kind of rich. Uh, he gets inside her cabin and says it's a tired interior. She says, oh, don't criticize my jet interior. That hurts. It's just still more flirty behavior between the two. Shiv is really good at holding things back to keep a man interested, I would say. That's the way I, w- I would phrase her game, is that she she's really good at figuring out what, a guy, what the guy she's talking to wants from her, and she's mm-hmm. good at holding that thing back. To, to weaponize the flirtation for her advantage. thousand percent, yeah. He seems to enjoy her company. Isn't all that good at hiding it. Not sure he wants to. Matson doesn't like living plus. Why are you doing this bullshit? 
to, she says, it's on the calendar. And if we decided to cancel the product launch, it would look like we're just mining shop until you get in. And he says, but you are, though. You are. <laughs> it's like, I, I can fully understand where he's coming from. Where He's looking to buy this company. This isn't a product he wants to run with. He's asking them to just not rock the boat. But they go on. can totally see where Shiv is coming from, which is, yes, you're interested in buying the company. Yes, this is a promising thing. But this deal is not done yet. And right. like we can't just Got stop, we job. can't just stop the company because you fucking potentially are going to do a deal maybe at some point with us. Like we have to keep running the company. Uh, and by the way, Madsen, you probably want us to do that too because if we if we really just start minding shop, we We're could we, price we could fuck the company in the interim, which I think they're going to do anyway. But that's a different. I, 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 it is one of those conversations where both of them are perfectly reasonable in the positions that they're taking. He calls it land cruises. He makes fun of the name. You know how shitty and heartbreaking it is to be locked up in a cruise? Hey, what? What? It's like, the, 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 this is a rich people com- comment right there. It's just like, people love people love cruises to nowhere where you literally just go out in the boat, out in the ocean, hang out of the floating hotel, and come back. Can we please like rep for regular people here for a second? A, cruises are great. Two, three-star Italian is just fine, Tom, so why don't you just shut the fuck up about three-star Italian? Because it's actually good food and like probably yeah. be- probably better pound for pound than whatever crap you're eating, so just shut up. Uh, we, we find new ways to explore an elitist mindset, and here are two delightful offerings in the show this week. Now, I debuted a theory last episode where I felt like Madsen actually is getting – Madsen does – my theory is Madsen doesn't outright own his company. Mm-hmm. And he's got investors holding to people. He's got investors who are pushing him hard to scale quickly. He's doing it through M and A, and this deal has to happen in order for him to meet his growth targets. That's my theory. I'm 100 percent there with you, and I think we add further evidence for it this episode. Finding out there's a limit to how much juice he can offer. And this line right here, where he says the, the deal is going through with a lot of velocity, a lot of velocity. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound like a rich guy saying anything to try to make it true? It's going I mean, through I'm, a lot of velocity, a lot of velocity. Oh, it's it's, it's just basically almost done. He, he is re, he is attempting to rewrite reality to his whims. Yes, to his needs. I reject your reality and substitute my own is effectively what he's saying. Yeah, he says he likes a lot of it, like Shiv, like you. But some of it I don't like. Lots of rooms I don't want to go into. He suggests that if he had someone on the inside who could get all that he is, understand all that he is, all of his give and takes, puts and takes, give him feedback, who gets him, who he likes, that could be a value. Shiv goes, ah, as if this is a surprise, and then says, maybe I hate you. But she, again, she's, she's being coy. Yeah, she, absolutely, she is. Like, that, that all is so put on, because it's like, well, you, I mean, this is, it's basically a role you're already doing, by the way. Like, he's not really proposing anything new. No, no, no. This is an open acknowledgement of what the nature of their relationship is, that he wants her to serve as his insider to smooth his transition. He's never at any point hidden that fact. She says, Nor is she hidden that that's a service that she's, you know, potentially able to offer him. Yeah. Matson says, you can't hate me. You don't know me well enough. That's a really solid one right there. I like that I a lot. I like that one. I like that. It's like, you, we do not have enough of a relationship for hate to be part of it yet. I'm a big fan of this. I, I like this. I like this comeback. I hate you. You don't know me well enough to, know, to hate me. I, I'm going to use that one in the future. That's like the only thing Matson has said, line of dialogue, that I might use in the future. Well, it's notable that Shiv t- hears that and immediately pivots to somebody she can have enough of a relationship to have an emotional feeling about. Well, maybe I just love my brothers very much. 
Yeah, that's what she says. Maybe she just loves her brother. He laughs at that. He even sort of scoffs a little bit. Like, um, wait, no, that's not true. Go on. Yeah, and then he talks about how Kendall and Roman went all mental on him at the top of the mountain. He's right. Madsen says it was unprofessional and dumb. He's right. Shiv then sort of cuts off the conversation. Start the engines. Madsen says, keep me looped. My girl on the inside. She says, oh, fuck you, boy, on the outside. Oh, my gosh, so much flirting. She then says she's going to tell her brothers everything he said. He backs out, blows her a kiss. Tells her to enjoy LA just a little. It's a, it's like a it's like a it's like a sprinkling of Uncle Lee to the kids. Just don't go. Just don't blow kisses to people that you don't know well enough to hate you. <laughs> you and also, you got to be able to hate them first. Yeah, you got to be able to hate somebody before you can blow. Got to get to the level just, that they're they're they know you well enough to be able to hate you before you can start blowing kisses. That's what I'm gonna say. I, that is the weirdest way of expressing a point. I agree with. Yes, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> it, uh, now, uh, kudos to acting here, yeah. Sarah Stoke. She's you know great in all the scenes that she's in, but her stares, like her little just somebody's walked away and she's now just processing alone, are works of art. Like when Matson walks out of this plane, we just get an image of her just looking off briefly, her face having fallen from the artifice it was before, and it is just. I let's write a paper trying to unpack what's going through her head right now. What do you think she's going? What, what do you think she's thinking? The imminently conflicted loyalties of the nature of her position right now. I think she's thinking if I wasn't pregnant, I would take a run at this guy and I would I would <laughs> manipulate the hell out of him. But I am pregnant and I kind of want to build a family, so I'm trying to get back with Tom. And this is just fucked timing. I think that's Garth what she's Garth Garth is an attractive man. Let's just say that on the record. Yeah. Well, also, like, I mean, yeah. I, I don't think Shiv would have any problem getting, like... Who she wants. ...model men if she was actually after looks. I think that, like, what she could do is manipulate this guy into, you know, maybe juicing the deal in ways that he he wouldn't have done otherwise, or even potentially parlaying a role for herself and his company, kind of similar to what... And this is what I think they're going to end up doing, by the way. Kind of similar to what we left at the end of last season... Remember the plan at the end of the last season before we had the break? And it was Logan would be integrated in some sort of like chairman type CEO, mm-hmm. not CEO, but uh, chairman type VP something role right. within the company. Like, I think that's what's going to end up happening for Shiv. I think she'll be subsumed within the company when the deal goes through, if it goes through, and then she'll have like some sort of like, pretty senior position in his company. She'll be the last surviving Roy. She'll be a fixture of the old world that's carrying on to the new. I'm straight there with you, and I think that's straight up Shiv's purpose here. That she sees him as a gateway to power, and that is intriguing to her. Cut to a black SUV arriving at a large building. Oh, it doesn't get <laughs> oh, more S succession than that, does it? It's like, if they ever like come out with like, you know, a, what's it, a, a burnt orange SUV pulling up, I will have to turn off the episode, because I would have thought imminently I'm watching some other show. Kendall and Roman walk in. Frank lays the table. Kendall and Roman want to give them an in-person update on the deal. There's something incredible, super important piece of news has to be delivered in person. Sensitive. If you know Roman, you know it can't be put in a fucking email. He hates email. It's been established Mm. on this podcast. Kendall sits down, greets everyone. It's the Grays and Shiv is in the room. Shiv awkwardly grabs her phone from where Kendall Kendall was sitting. He sat in her chair. He sat in her chair where her fucking phone was, and she has to go grab her phone from it. He can be. So thoughtful. Thought, he can be thoughtless sometimes. Thoughtless, that's the right way. Thoughtless is a good word. Kendall says he's super excited, but maybe, you know, questions about Madsen's full understanding of the company. Tom jumps in to say that they knocked it out of the park with the deal. Good job. Good job with the deal. They all give them a token cheer, including Kendall, who actually 
gives himself a little clap. A little, a little table pound. Uh, but he continues to say he wants to see some more confidential context. Give some more confidential context to the senior group. Roman says Matson exhibited some erratic behavior. Schiff prods them and says, what, what? Tell us what. I think at this point she already knows. I honestly do. What percentage of the room knows? What percentage of the room suspects that these guys are trying to tank the deal? Shiv knows, 100%. Shiv knows. I would say that probably Frank is the closest to knowing of what they're doing. Frank's closest to knowing, and Jerry, I think, later calls out Roman on it. So she's. I think she's on the cusp, too. So a portion of the room is either there or ready to get there with that much product. Kendall calls it a meltdown. Human Chernobyl. Chernobyl, by the way, Spencer and I, really big experts on Chernobyl. We covered oh, yeah. HBO's Nuclear Chernobyl engineers. on a little podcast called Mangum Talks TV. We, we covered Chernobyl. Nuclear engineers, the both of us. One of our one of the favorite things we've ever done, actually, was going through that miniseries. It was a great miniseries. It was also just a blast to see us just flirt with understanding nuclear energy throughout that thing. That was before, back before we had any concept of how to market these podcasts to actually get it to an audience. So there are very few people listen to that, but it's probably the best work we've ever done, to be honest with you. We did more research <laughs> oh. for that. We did more research for covering that miniseries than any podcast we've ever done, for sure. I, I went like two hours like straight at the end of episodes just talking about nuclear accidents. I had God, a, we'd work too hard I had a monologue trying to explain what a nuclear reactor was in episode one of it that I actually, I actually, before You're we stressed out before we're, we're we recorded, I rehearsed it with my wife's family, like at dinner. I was like, guys, I need you to all just sit for a second. You, you had footnotes and papers available. What the fuck were we doing with that podcast? I don't know. It was awesome. Though. Caroline asked for specifics. Roman says Madsen says he didn't want the deal. Madsen said he didn't want it. He says he didn't want to do it. The senior leadership team is in favor, but we better take what's on the table. You know, And they're kind of babbling. Tom points out that smells like a negotiating tactic because he did make the offer. Good point, Tom. You know, I, I really like that Tom here... He is. He has a goal. He has the objective he wants to accomplish, and he's straight up pushing back against Kendall and Roman throughout this conversation. That's a certain level of confrontation we don't see out of Tom much. Yeah, I agree. You know, it probably would have helped. This is just a guess here. Probably would have helped if these two had had a discussion about what Matson said. An example that Anything. they could then that they maybe had that they they could so. Obviously, they, they're going in there saying, hey, Rome. Well, I'll be Kendall for a second. Hey, Rome, let's go in there and say Madsen went crazy at the top of the mountain. Okay, I think that's where the conversation ended. I think it could have continued and said, okay, what are we going to say he said to us? And then let's let's go ahead and poke holes in it and try to find something that they can't immediately shoot down. Because neither one of them, off the top of their head, are able to come up with something that this room can't completely shoot down. Within seconds, this conversation lasts like two minutes. It's one of those things of where we talked about the, these guys like failing forward to victory. Uh, they have nothing here until Matson gives them something later. They had nothing planned, and then Matson just offers them on a silver platter the exact evidence they needed. Shiv says, what are you suggesting? So she's trying to get it right to it. Kendall says, can we recommend a deal with a person of this character? I mean, Spencer, I mean, can we? I mean, given, given everything else, he says, given everything else. As if he, give, he hasn't said everything else. He, just, he hasn't said anything. He just kind of throws yeah, it out. Given the whole universe that we're exposed to, it's like anytime someone says that, rather than give you anything resembling an example, they've got shit. Well, just he, shorthand. Well, he pauses, sees the room, and then figures out, I'm supposed to give examples. And this is what this dumb fuck comes up with tweets and he has the fucking audacity to say this drug rumors kindle 
pot. Kendall, Big kettle. What are you doing, Kendall? Uh, this is what you come up with? Drug rumors is a problem? Again, they didn't do the legwork. They didn't do the Chernobyl level of legwork going into this presentation. Yes, be like us covering the Chernobyl. Don't be like us covering Mandalorian, but be like yeah, us yeah. covering <laughs> Chernobyl, please. I, I, you know, let me just like, this is a Kindle heavy episode. Kindle swings wildly in this episode. I know my, my position on Kindle has probably come across to our audience as a bit inconsistent. Let me try to define it. Kindle is inconsistent. Let me try to define exactly how I feel about Kindle. Kindle is not the most capable of the three. However, he does have highs where he will spike and he it can be very capable in particular moments, but he has a tendency to kindle that all the fuck up later. Kindle's like a big baseball slugger of where he's either going to hit a home run or he's going to strike out. That's it. Those are your options. Spencer with the sports metaphor. I'm loving it. Sports I felt guy. so weird sports doing that. guy over here. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I personally root for him because I think that he has some level of it may be like low levels of PTSD from dealing with his abusive father. And then he also has obviously yeah, a drug later. issue and he's an addict. And so like all of those things combined make me root for him, but I by no means think this is a perfect character. And I absolutely think he can be a dumb fuck. And I think him floating the idea, they shouldn't do the deal with Madsen because of drug rumors when he's currently running the company. What are you talking that- about? I mean, this is the kind of thing of where if, like, if Jerry got him alone in a room, she'd basically explain to them that if that is the reason that you offer to the shareholders to cancel the deal, you will be fired before the sentence leaves your mouth. Now, Kendall, like he normally does, does a completely stupid fucking thing and then sort of stumbles into something okay because he says... Then he points out that 50% of the sale is in stock, and he says, we are exposed. Should have opened with that shit. Now, that is when people get serious. And so Jerry looks around the room, and she just goes, should I go? Because I think I think this is the type of should I go. Yeah. That it's like all of us non-Kindle Roman people are all on the same page. Do you guys want me to talk for us, or do you want someone else? Because she just assumes they're yeah. all on the same page. Yeah, rightfully, I think we could say. She says, okay, it's a worry. It's a concern. We should monitor it closely. I don't think it hurts. This, this sounds like such a fucking lawyer thing to say. I got to say, like, mm-hmm. very concerned about this. I hear you loud and clear. You're my client. You're heard. You're my you client. Heard. I care about you. I hear what you said. Mm-hmm. Let's not do any of that, okay? All right? But I heard yeah. you. But I heard you. You you said things. Let's not do any of that. we're acknowledging that. <laughs> And now we're moving on. No, we're not going to do any of that stuff. That's basically what she says. She says, I don't think it hurts. He's a genius. Nobody minds a genius acting acting weird. Re Elon Musk. Although I don't think Elon is the best example of this anymore, is he? Because like his level of weird has actually broken through and hurt the brand. Like Tesla yes. has been hurt by his crazy in the probably by the past maybe, tweets, maybe year and a half. SEC investigations. Wouldn't you say maybe in the last year and a half, I think he's actually hurt his brand with some of his behavior. Um, Twitter, Twitter too. Who would be an example of eccentric billionaire that has not hurt the brand? Oh, I got it. Steve Ballmer. Crazy as fuck. That guy's nuts. But he never hurt the Microsoft brand. I would say Jobs, particularly during like his second return to Apple. He used his weirdness as part of his character, and Apple Apple fans ate it up. That's probably the best example. I'm, I'm with you. That's a good example. Um, Ballmer's fun. I like Ballmer, though. Ballmer is fun weird. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, it, it, the, it was the greatest thing for me ever. My Venn diagram was just going bananas because he bought the Clippers and now he's like a big sport, big person in the sports world. So I get to follow him in NBA <laughs> basketball. It's a lot of fun. Jerry says his reputation is, his reputation is priced in. Spencer mm-hmm. Cross says his legal and banking team are moving ahead in a very uh, professional manner, might I say. Carl is counting the dollar, he's counting the strings of his golden parachute right now. What I love about the level of CFO that Carl is in is he's saying, basically what he's trying to assure the room here is that in terms of all of the logistical coordination you have to do for this type of deal, things things like, you know, the, fi- the d- financial due diligence that's got to occur, all the SEC reporting stuff that has to happen, all of this, pa- reams and reams of paperwork, Carl is assuring everybody in the room that it's all uh, going Above perfectly, board. it's all going at the right pace, all doing well. Carl's probably not done one piece of fucking paperwork. Like, it's just people calling him saying, hey, Carl, things look good. Carl has received, like, a Ronald Reagan one-paragraph summary of a 900-page treatise kind of thing, and that is what he's presenting to the room. As everyone leaves, Kendall says, it's a big day tomorrow, product launch. Shiv is sitting there afterward. I think Vanity stopped us from mentioning it earlier. We were proud of the deal. This is Roman trying to explain to Shiv why he didn't tell her earlier. These guys are so blatantly, transparently full of shit. Yeah. Shiv then tells them, look, I know you. I fucking know you. Boys, you are not good at this. Mm -mm. Sidebar, they're not good at this. No, no. I love the example she offers where, Dad, Shiv spilled chocolate milk in the Range Rover. It is at that level of lying. It's like, obviously you lied to me now. You lied to me earlier when you said you'd keep me abreast of all this. And now you're having the gall of denying it when I know how to call you out on this. Yeah, 100%. So, Roman says, no, no, no. And she goes, that you failed to mention this very fucking interesting incident as a bit of gossip. She's like, look, you haven't even slightly mentioned this since it happened. This is all bullshit. Yeah. Kendall then says, we're not sure about the deal. Roman's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Under the bus I go. Thank goodness gracious. Kendall then says they were protecting her. She says, oh, yeah, don't get mud on my confirmation dress. Oh, my God, that's good. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one a lot. She had the point out there was a plan to sell it. Get Pierce. Run Pierce. God damn it, guys. Like, if I was her, I would be frustrated, too. I'd be like, you guys are impossible to do anything with because you fucking change the plan every six minutes. Like, they are – they're they're – their clock is very strange, right? Because like yeah. they also think they were good CEOs because they've been doing it for twenty hours. Like their their clock is is very off. Yeah, who needs more experience than that, really? <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, she says um, she actually calls them cocksuckers, which I enjoy a good Logan cocksucker. Like I like that she pulled that one out. She's very she's what? very she's the Logan esque in this episode. Someone pointed out on Reddit, too, that even just the filming of the shot, uh, of one point they show her from behind and <coughs> Roman and Kendall on opposite sides of the looks table. looks like Logan, right? It looks exactly like Logan from the intro, that hunched shoulder effect with just the yep. figures fuzzy there in front of her. She is... They are presenting her, at least she's in the mindset she's of... She's there. She's assuming Logan's mantle. Yeah, Roman says, Shiv, we're, I'm, we're sorry. We, we wouldn't have dicked you over. Roman has to do the huggy thing, which is the three of them hugging, which they did the episode... Logan died. She says, sure. She doesn't mean it. They hug. Very, very little emotion here this time. Shiv's assistant comes in to break it up. So she has an appointment. She cannot reschedule. Very important appointment. A lot of people waiting on her. Big room full of people. She's got to go. Okay. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Pri- priority cannot be voided. 
I think she also, just even if there was an appointment, she wants to get the fuck out of this room because she knows she can't trust her siblings as far as she can throw them. If there was any doubt beforehand, it's now gone. Shiv goes in a room and in there she cries. She's sitting there crying. You know, honestly, I saw some people like mocking this, like, oh, it's barely even humans. Like, hey, honestly, budgeting time to have emotions, if that's the, if that's the option you have, seize that option. It's a better. It's a better option. It's a, it's a better thing to do that than not to not not have any time at all. So like, you are like a stone. Like you you show no emotion. I try to yeah, <clears throat> aspire to it really. I think Proper I think if you like went to a therapist and you were like, yeah, people in my life are telling me like I'm not showing it up. They might they might even suggest you do this. Like for a lot of people who struggle with how to like get emotions out or to mm-hmm. emote particularly, or to deal with a particular emotion, grief, happiness, loneliness, whatever, sometimes they'll actually tell you to budget time to do it. Like, this isn't, this yeah. might be something she, you know what? She might have got it from Kendall's grief guy. Remember Kendall's grief guy who's he, so good, he, the best grief guy? He's never, the best grief guy. Best, the very best, never been a better grief I, guy. It just, I was kind of surprised people weren't more in favor of this. Like, I recommend this to people all the time, really. It's like, budget just a little time to yourself in a room throughout a, a, a difficult day. It works wonders. Greg and Tom walk in. Greg is telling Tom, by the way, I want to give you a preview of the night's selection. What do you think that means? I'm guessing of what's planned to be presented. Like, he's just, he wants to, like, you know, give him, no? Women. What you got? I think it's women. I oh, honestly think off. it's women. I think that's... At the, at the investor meeting? With yep. The, I think Greg Very has, possible. I think Greg's done some homework on who's attending, and he has done some social media scouting, and he is going to present but it to Tom. They would express it that way. What is, what's the name he gave them that the two of them had, like the, oh, the gross so, guys or something? Something Brothers. Um, Disgusting Brothers. Yeah. Disgusting yeah. Brothers. That's them. Anyway, Tom is confused about the room booking, but Linkers, he asks her if she's really okay, because he can see she's been crying. She says she is. She says, yeah, I'm just very busy, and I, I have found I'm too busy What with my dad and uh Sierra sometimes found me somewhere that I can have a moment to cry. So Tom says, you're scheduling your grief. And he makes that sound like a weird thing. I don't, again, we covered this before. I don't think it's that odd. She tells him to fuck off. Roy House words make an appearance. Not for the last time of the episode. Tom comes over to her and touches her back. And she turns around and hugs him, touches his face. She slowly looks up to him. She kisses him. Do you think they fuck in the room? Uh, they definitely fuck later. They do fuck later. Um- I'm willing to believe they fuck in the room. I think it's a two fuck episode for these two. Like they're like newlyweds. Look at them. Uh, again, these guys operate at zero or sixty. That's the only speeds they know. Got to Kindle. Here we are again. Got to Kindle and Roman going through some notes. Logan had about investment day. Sadly, my sons Kindle and Roman Roy are too tied up with important company business to join us here for investment day. Roman, should we keep that in? Let's keep that in. <laughs> I would keep that in. I'd keep it in. I think we're better off. Kindle's providing notes. Roman calls it whatever. What What do you think on Madsen? If Operation Fruit Fly doesn't fly, Roman... Fruit Loop. Oh, Fruit Fruit Loop. Yeah, that's right. I see. If Fruit Loop doesn't fly, Kendall then um, starts ticking through all of the things that they could potentially do to try to fuck this out. Mm-hmm. Ending on basically pump or juice the stock price as being the one they think is most imminently possible. Well, they do muster a share block, which would be try to get enough people who aren't willing to sell to him who have shares to, to not have give them enough. Good luck. Good, yeah, good luck at the price he's offering. Board Convince the board he's a value destroyer to get the board to vote against it. Regulatory shit. I don't even think he knows what this means. Hope the price runs away. I don't know. Something. So, to, to which they point out in favor of that last option... 
Telus is their dad's banker, right? I think I think Telus is the banker, yeah. Um, that he doesn't have the juice past one ninety two. So if they have a goal. It's like the price he's offered is the absolute max he can do. He gave everything he had. They think. They think. If it goes an inch above that, he's got to run because he can't because he, he can't afford it. Roman points out that something about this depresses him, Kendall. Oh, yeah, do you think it's the speech specifically written for our late father or the fact you're planning to warehouse the elderly and keep them drunk on content while he, we suck them dollar dry? <laughs> Roman says, I think it's the, the 90s pinch. Uh, Roman wants to see what personalized longevity programs are. Uh, or Kendall does. He wants to see what personalized longevity programs are. He says, is that something? Kendall then wants to see an infinite brain box. I'll just say this. This is the start of about 30 minutes of this episode where we get a lot of Kindleisms. It's going to be some weird dialogue coming. Mm-hmm. But this one he sees legs with. It's like previously everything just kind of looked boring, not particularly useful. But the idea of personalized legit longevity programs, he sees how we can market that. He sees how that can be useful in a vacuum with made-up numbers to get what he wants. Do you think he lowered his voice like Elizabeth Holmes? Hello, everyone. I'm going to keep you alive forever. We're, we're going to talk about whether he uh, did a certain uh, kind of theatrical level of grief on stage to, you know, make himself appear more receptive, make the audience How more receptive to him. How dare you? Roman then says, I would dare. I can ask Joy Palmer if the fucking Kalitzbatron director can come on board and make everything more confusing and loud. <laughs> have funny. we met Joy before this episode? I couldn't remember. I don't believe we have. We certainly haven't spent this much time with her, I don't feel like. And. It is an interesting meeting. Kendall asks him if it's now. Roman says, it is. I'm meeting with her now. Kendall says, sprinkle some sugar. Sprinkle some sugar. So, like, what's going to be here? Is there... So, like, what's what's going on here is that they are... Meet, he's meeting with the head of Waystar Studios to push her to make a hit. Something that will increase the value of the company. So, they're going to spike her with money, produce a quick hit of something to jack the value past 192. That is their... I came up with this plan in 12 seconds plan. That is what they were offering, yes. Please, rapidly, invent a Marvel Cinematic Universe. We need it. <laughs> yeah, because we all know by following um, HBO's production of the Game of Thrones spinoff sequels that if you give money to one of these production studios, content just comes out immediately. It's just so fast. It's it's, it's really, really quick. I mean, Absolutely. I, think, I believe the plan is to get a season one of Dunkin' Egg in 2026. So, yeah, it comes out real fast. They're going to get a hit tomorrow. We are going to get a Marvel Cinematic Universe a la reality television. That's what they're hoping for here, I guess. I would honestly say that, like, of all of the streams of business they have, this is the one that would move the slowest from injecting money to revenue. Like, why don't you do it to parks, which is something else, because holy fuck. I mean, maybe like, maybe they're thinking they could, like, contract to get, like, the Lord of the Rings rights or something, and that would spike it. I don't know. Again, the sale's going to happen within, like, you know, no longer than the next six months if Matson gets his way. You're not making a movie in less than a year and a half, two years. No. And we get a lot of bizarre Kendall lines this episode. Here's one. Just break the logjam. Get the franchise pump. Pump it, Roman. I'm going to love bomb that stuck up bitch. Shoot it to the moon, Rome. New space cowboys in town. Yeah, who wants to fuck? I'm ready to fuck. Hooray for fucking wood. Jess is left without words, as all are, as we all are. She is not getting paid enough. I don't care what she's making. There is no price upon which she has to endure this. I have a theory about this scene. I think that they let they give Kieran Culkin a little room, and I think, woo, woo Ray for fucky wood, 
was a was an ad lib line, and that's why you got the the look on Jess like she was just about to break laughing. I think that's what that was. <laughs> hey, I'm glad they kept it in though. It feels it feels authentic for the characters. Cuts to Roman being taken on a golf cart through a studio area. This looks a little bit like Hollywood. Roman walks into a dining room. Joy tells him she's sorry for his loss and offers condolences. Roman says he has enough condolences. He's fine. He rejects her condolences. Well, I want your opinion on this meeting because like. Roman and Kendall prove this episode they should not be running this company. Mm-hmm. However, however, Joy does not handle this well at all. It's Joy a fucking did, mess from her side too. The, the, at no point she clearly views herself in a position of power. She clearly views herself as being immune and above this just insignificant person that's in front of her regardless of the fact he has the label CEO. And so she feels that she doesn't need to offer anything resembling respect to him or even accommodation of him. And it blows up in her face. Yeah, it really does. And I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure this is the right move by Roman, but I'm not 100% sure it's the wrong one. Well, it's one of the things of where I don't think Roman should have done this, particularly the way he did it, as Jerry points out later. Oh, fuck that. Fuck that lawyer noise. If you're going to fire somebody, fire him. I, I am here for the lawyer noise when it's somebody this high up. Fuck it. I am here for the lawyer Fuck noise. Her. She's got to go. If he wants to fire, I'm not sure firing is the right move. But if he wants to, just do it. Hey, two people can mess up in the same conversation in different ways and for different reasons. And I think we're seeing it happen. Maybe. I don't know. I still haven't really figured out where I land on this. But, like, she starts right out because he's giving her every bit of hint I just want to talk business. I want to talk business. And she goes, well, it hasn't hit you yet, which is so fucking condescending. And you'll, 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 you'll be able to like, it'll, it'll happen and you'll be okay later. Okay. Okay. Like she's like talking down to him. She says, she's very excited about the deal. She asked him what Lucas is like. So she's like stargazing at Lucas. Roman hilariously says, great. Then remembers he's supposed to dog him. And Uh, says, flaky, really druggy, odd, not focused, but um, yeah, you know, honestly, a few issues. Sure. I can fix it. (laughs) Again, couldn't they at least talk after that conversation when people called them out on what the nature of his weirdness is? Plainly not. Roman says he has thoughts. She says, everybody does. And Roman is put off. What is that? Just a little Groucho Marx for you. Inside cinema. She is so mocking. She is so condescending. She is treating him like an easily just like, look at the pretty bird, you know, child that's there in front of him. Is to a certain degree, but he's also the guy that has the power of God over you. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, I think at this this is the moment when she did this, where she and then she goes inside cinema. I think if I was Roman, I would have been like, "Whoa, hold on, we gotta have to reset." What's going? What do, what do you think is happening here? Like, I probably right. would have asked that question. Like, what do you what you tell me? What you think's going on? That you think you're just checking a box by meeting with the token CEO for a day? Is that what you think's happening? I would have cut her off even earlier when she was doing that. You know, you'll feel it later. You know, you'll, you'll process it then. I would have, I probably would have cut her off then and said, you know, I appreciate that, but I'm really here to talk shop. And let's get down to it. Just cut through that shit as fast as possible. Hmm. He starts with Kalitz for Sean. I just want to know he's getting fired for that shit show. And by all accounts, it is a shit show. She says she can read him in, but it's complicated. Then she says this. Shall we just sidebar that? That particular situation is a lot of big personas. Because you say this to your boss all the time, right, Spencer? Yeah. Can we just, like, not talk about that? I'm just not going to. Just not going to. Yeah. I, I'd love to be attend major presentation. My, my boss comes to me and says, well, Spencer, can you give us a little bit of information? Uh, on this? Can and we I, just sidebar that? Yeah. And I just say no. Yeah. That always lands well. I'm in D.C. right now, right? I'm actually, how about this, Spencer? Hmm. This, this for you in the audience. I am in, the, I am in the hotel where Ronald Reagan was shot. 
out front. Hey, yeah. that's a, I, I, I have seen that live footage. Yeah. Uh, I'm here because I have to go talk to someone in the government and give a presentation tomorrow. Right? That's why I'm at D.C. Wouldn't that be great if I just walk up and go, you know, a lot of big personalities involved in this question. You're going to have to sidebar this, guys. Yep, yep. This is the exact reason I'm here, but let's just not do that. God, she, she really does suck. Roman says, oh, big personalities. I can't see that happening. And, you know, and it's interesting because she's doing this to the one guy who really hates confrontation. So he lets he lets her go farther than Kendall would have, that Shiv would have. Certainly than Logan would have. Logan wouldn't have. I don't know what would have happened with Logan. He would have. I mean, it could, you know, like maybe tied arms and legs to four horses and just had them all go run off in different. <laughs> Drawn and quartered. I mean, yeah. holy Colin shit. Colin is a master at drawing and quartering. He would have fucking destroyed this lady. But, but she's doing it to the one person who lets her go as farther, as far as any of the main characters would, well, right? Because she doesn't respect him. Everybody's still operating in the world of where Logan's gone. Now I can just be myself and not not regard these new these new uh, interlopers as anything other than a weak monarch in, in a regnum. We'll get to that scene later. And well, this may be a weak person that's not worthy of the same respect of the old one, or maybe level the same fear. But he has all the same authority and powers. Keep she's, track of that. Now she's concerned with something, Spencer. Okay, concerned. Yes, yes. Concerned. Now you would think this might be. Well, I'm concerned about the Calispatron situation, and I really want to make sure we mop that up. No, 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 no. I'm going to pivot completely no, off what you came here to talk about. Not anything to do with her job. Lots of people are concerned about democratic institutions. She's concerned about the rightward lean from ATN. Roman says, uh, yeah, yeah, I got it. Uh, oh, but you, you, want, to say something. you want me to say more things? This is the point where she should drop it. She points out the favorable coverage for Mink and says, can't you do something to signal distance? Signal distance? They're fucking calling into his campaign morning briefings, like signal distance. They're part of the campaign. If we're to look at this from a her point of view, one might see that in Hollywood, being associated with a right-leaning network might scare off a certain measure of writers, actors, producers, directors, whatever else that they want to try to market, you know, potentially to work on and build their media empire. Perhaps that's where she's coming from. If that's it, she does a shitty job of representing that's the basis of her concern. Here's the problem. Is that you are burning money with a robot that's sleeping for two hours at the beginning of the movie. And Again, I still want to actually watch that film. And ATN is, that out there, HBO. ATN is printing money. Like, know your yeah. role in the company, basically, right? <laughs> Roman says this thing, though, that like... Mm. I think kind of cuts through like a lot of the Fox News bullshit where he calls Minkin IP. And it's like, I think a lot of networks probably saw Trump as IP, right? Like they probably were like, this guy's going to absolutely get eyeballs on the screen. He is engaging. He's interesting. Let's throw him on. And then he became president. Says, yeah, I don't like him. You don't like him. What are we going to do? Roman sees completely over this right away. Joy says, but in all, but all in terms of talent, you know, we have values here in this creative community. We have values in this creative community. So she, she is. If she could be, I don't know how high up she is right now, but can we agree that she is staring down her nose at him, leagues below her? Yeah, and it's just such over the top virtue signaling, like Hollywood liberal bullshit that like is really frustrating if you just look at it remotely objectively, like, and, and that's what Roman says. He says, I oh, know I get it. I, I, I love the values. I mean, it's incredibly evolved, ruthlessly segregated city. You've built on this geological fault here. I, Let's get real. I love him calling out her in that manner. It's, 
Really? Really? Hollywood is what you're trying to get to bring to me right now for value signaling. Okay, let's talk about that. I was in I was in Hollywood. I was in L.A. last December, and I went to Beverly Hills. Yeah, it's ruthlessly fucking segregated. <laughs> Holy shit. Not a lot of people of color there. So, yeah, okay. Mm. We have values here in this creative community. Joey says, but it's all in terms of talent. You know, we – oh, she already said that. Uh, Roman says, I feel like – you're not listening to me. I'm saying I'm going to dump a whole lot, a whole bunch of money on you, and we want to get the hip pump pump. And he says, looking for a balance between streaming and theatrical franchise creation, international marketing. So it's just like mad libs of like media stuff. Relevant buzzwords. She says, I got it. You can trust me. Very excited. She does not seem excited. He says, she says, very exciting. She actually says it twice. Roman's irritated. Says, Joy, I get it. You're thinking, the fuck does this guy know about anything? He's not. He is dad. Roman's track record is bullshit. She jumps in and says a line which she absolutely shouldn't have, Spencer. No. I am sure you are where you are for a very good reason. Again, I don't think Roman did the right thing in the right way here. I mean, I think her dad would... His, well, A, I don't think Joy would ever talk to his dad that way, and his dad would have just fired her there. Yes, he would have. It's not that... And I think he needs to go about a better way of handling this particular situation that they're in. But he gave her every opportunity to offer him even the most monicum of respect for his position and what he's saying and just what he's here for. And she was incapable of doing that to it. Not only incapable of doing that, she directly was mocking him. It's like, this is the last chance. This is the last chance he gives her. He looks her straight in the face and said, I could just fire you. And she laughs in his face. In his face. Okay, I have the gut out. It's like, I don't have a choice but to use it now, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying I could. Uh, maybe I should. Um, yeah. You know what? I feel like i got to do it now. I've said it. i got to do it. Anyway, got to do it. Our tip poll's bullshit. You're out of control. You're not going to fix it. Our tip poll's bullshit. It's out of control. You're not going to fix it. So I'm calling it. I am... What I wish to say is the, uh, as he getting his jacket on, the company would like to terminate your employment. HR will be in touch to start the termination process. We wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. She says this is a mistake as he walks out and Roman just says, okay, so holy shit, he fired her. And it's like one of those things of where I do think Jerry's 100% correct that with respect to this kind of high profile of a firing to avoid potential litigation and other issues with respect to it, he should have left this meeting right away when she said that without a further word and then gone and talked to ex- gone and talked to the professionals in the company on that subject to set up what they need to. Absolutely, I think that. At the same time, I would have been really inclined to fire this woman too after this conversation. You gotta say all that stuff because you're a lawyer. I think that like sometimes I Yeah, I think that sometimes like you do kind of have to set a tone. Like and if that if the senior executives in this company Joy, Sid, Tom, etc. They all think Roman is this type of pushover. It's not going to work, like even in the short term. Yeah, I think I think that maybe here's where I think Roman made a mistake. It's letting it get as far as it got without mm-hmm. stopping her and saying, "You just can't talk to me this way." You got like being very direct and saying, "Like mm-hmm. this is a real problem. You can't do this." He doesn't say that really. He just kind of lets her go and go, and then she gets so far down the line that he does have to fire. If she had gotten far that far down the line with me, I probably would have fired her too. But I probably wouldn't have let her get that far. I would have stopped her right. and said, "Joy, Joy, you're off base here. Like, let's reset this conversation. You got to remember who you're talking to." That would have been the better way to manage it. Instead, he basically unintentionally gives her enough rope to hang herself, just because he's trying to avoid the confrontation of it. That's Kendall, who's an eleven on this on this theater stage. This he is at an eleven. <laughs> 
He's got notes, Spencer. All kinds of notes. And what are those notes, Lee? What does this man have planned? Lighting cues. Can we build me? Mm-hmm. Can I just get a house? Can you build me a house here on the stage? Just a house. I need just a house. A straight up living just plus small house. plywood, basic brickwork. Nothing. Nothing oh, crazy. Nothing clouds. crazy. Need clouds. Proper weather patterns over my house. Make it happen. Don't say no, Spencer. Spencer. Don't say no. Thank you, Kendall. Thank you for the new, everyone the new say, rule. Thank, you, thank you. This is a rough ass conversation. He is out of his mind. Roman mockingly says, "Thank you, Kendall, for the cool new rule." Kendall asks Roman if it was a good pep talk. Roman waffles. Says he'll fill him in later. Kendall is talking about the launch deck. I have a big, I have a big thought. Uh oh, that's always trouble when your Kendall says you have a big thought. Big thoughts are the problem. Thoughts. I need, I need small thoughts from Kendall. And then we leave that scene. Cut to the night. Shiv and Tom are at some sort of event. Shiv has quite the dress on. Spencer, how'd Shiv look? Shiv looked lovely this episode. Interesting. Tom well, just... it, it, it also helped that Shiv's main means of conversation with anybody throughout this episode is some element of sultry flirting, and I'm here for it. Yeah, she's really good at it, I must say. Um, yeah, she's incredibly good. Uh, she says, I'm sure you're keen to get amongst it. Tom questions what she's talking about. She clarifies... The vaginas of the cheerful women who aren't tall enough to be models. <laughs> I had to pause and start laughing with that line. Here's the thing about Shiv. I could, in this world, let's say I was one of these really rich people, lucky bucks, that hung around them. Could never in a million years date Shiv. Couldn't mm-hmm. do it. The way that she does romance is just weirds me the fuck out. But I absolutely would be her buddy because she's got such good singers. Just entertaining. I'd be I'd be hanging out near her in the buffet line, just waiting to hear these lines at every one of these fucking things <laughs> because she cuts through the bullshit. That she has funny fucking lines. Tom just smiles at this. Says he's good. She have clearly very flirty here. She asks him who he likes. Can I guess? Tom looks at one and says, "Could do." Tom is not into this, but he's just trying to play along with her. Yeah. Tom is interesting throughout this episode to the degree to which he's engaged with Shiv or not. It seems like... Well, let's let's assess this in detail once we get to the end of the episode, but I'm wondered to what degree this Tom we're seeing now has changed from the Tom that was previously much more eager to engage in this kind of flirty banter with Shiv. Yeah, I think he's setting some lines with her that he probably didn't Boundaries? set before. Yeah, a little he bit. He has a little bit more of a... He has a little bit better sense of himself and a little bit... I think boundaries is a better word than I was going to go like background, but I think boundaries is a better way of expressing it, of where he... Several times of this episode, he's flirting with her, he's engaging with her, he wants to be back with her, but several times he basically just tells her the truth straight to her face and she's caught off guard, doesn't know how to process it, and then just defaults back to her little shibby spurk. Yeah, I agree, and that's exactly what happens here because she's, he says, "Well, you know, if I was to say something, I would, uh, I'd say from the heart, I'd say I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for fucking you up." She laughs more at that, and then she plays it cool. She plays the "You can't hurt me. I've got armor on. I'm too cool for you." I oh, believe you, should you be so lucky. I believe you so far. You hardly scratched the surface. I was fucked up long before I met you. What do you think about this move? I, I think she's incapable of. She's only interested in in him to the degree that she's in control. And he's inviting her to show a certain measure of vulnerability. And she recoils at it. It's like, I'm not going to show that kind of level of potential, you know, ability for you to hurt me. Ability to be vulnerable to you be open. No, no, no. I'm backing away and hiding from that. Well, but she, so she does do that. 
but she still continues to flirt with him. And he, after she getting does. this, after getting this out, he's like, okay. And then he continues to flirt I'll, with her. I'll right? play the game for a minute. Because I think I got my chisel in. She's playing coy. She says, but you, I'm the whole story for you. I'm just, I just twisted your little heart right up. Now, this is her attempting to flirt and engage and be romantic. And it's like, it's like her foreplay almost. And it's like, this is where I would be like, I can't fucking do this, whatever this is. Like, I got a role, but I do want to hang out with you later in a non-sexual way so I can hear your thoughts on this soiree, please. It's, it's a, such a weird, I mean, this is, this is how they flirt. This is how they've always flirted. It is, it's, it's simultaneously very, you know, sexual flirting. While coming across as being so kindergarten in terms of how they go about this little punchy punchy thing with each other, yeah, they do, they do that. And she's she was like she's kind of like that, not, not in a flirty way, but she does revert to this sort of like childhood stuff whenever she's like palling around with Roman. Like she can mm-hmm. be a pretty juvenile when she's like loose. I think. Yeah. Um, I don't mean that like in a sexual way. I just mean like like kind of just like loose shoulders slumped, you know, hanging out, you know, just just chilling. Has shown by which the means that she combines how we're going to hang out and the flirting is they're going to play bitey. I haven't even heard about bitey since like first grade. They play bitey. You ever played bitey? I've played bitey. It was like on the playground, like first or second grade kind of shit. Yeah. Anyway, shift stops first. She says Tom Wamsgam finally made me feel something. I think that she's right. She's just like if if the if the room cleared out, the dress is off now at this point. Like she is. She, the, the, I don't know what it was, but Bitey like got her hot and bothered. You can see the look on her face; like she's ready to roll at this point. Well, she's hot and bothered, but when she says that line, Tom seems a little—he's he, not fully engaged. If anything, he seems a little bit like hurt and annoyed that she went with another attack for this moment because he just says, "Nice." Yeah, I mean, he—he he is not a hundred percent into this at any point. Um, he's just kind of given her enough to keep it going. But mm-hmm. I don't think he's really fully engaged with this form of flirting anymore. So well, it's interesting to see where they go. It, it, there's, this, this, the, there may be certain comparisons between what she's doing with respect to Matt's and what Tom's doing with respect to her. Yep. Just string it along I, a little bit. I think there are certain elements of parallels, but I don't think she sees that in all the same way. Yeah. Uh, so, got to Kendall, who has a pitch. Unbelievable growth. Price rocket. Drive the price. We make the deal impossible. Greg, with a line that Spencer would say, oh, okay, so all we need is unbelievable growth. <laughs> I love Greg. I love Greg. It's like, He's the man, best, that cut through he? the heart. He's got two lines of this conversation that just cut to the heart of it. It's like, well, this is bullshit. Let's see what this is. And you notice how Roman is like, ah, too far. Too far, Mr. It's fucking like, piece of shit, asshole, fuck, sarcasm, cheese shit, shit head. That's kind of what he does. Mm-hmm. He just sort of starts fumbling because he gets angry. More angry as he's talking that, that Greg cut through it that way. She says, he says, stand easy there, pitch wall. <clears throat> <laughs> Your role is to be sp- present, not spoken for. Kendall keeps going on and on about driving the price. Past 192, Roman clarifies, chase him out on price. Kendall then says he can get a tech valuation for a real estate proposition and now we've got we work ladies and gentlemen congratulations to the writers for getting the we work angle into this show i'm so proud of them that's exactly what happened with we work a tech valuation on a real estate proposition that was not scalable congratulations i i assure you kendall is going to find a way to make to represent this is 100 percent scalable and available across the country in a heartbeat yeah right and, and that obviously worked for WeWork, right? Because you've you've probably got a WeWork building close to you, right? Oh, uh, 
Sure, I'm gonna go with sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, no. Actually, you don't. Actually, it got sold for pennies Not on the dollar. Bit. And the only WeWork offices are in these big, massive cities that had empty space due to COVID anyway. So there you go. WeWork. Well, I think Greg expresses the concerns pretty reasonably on this topic. Of well, um, can I just say? I think it's hard to make houses seem like tech because we've had houses for a while now. Hey, Greg, perfectly fair point to bring up right now. No, 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 no. We, we, Greg, come on. We need people to think of it differently. That's Kendall's yeah. rejoinder. Doesn't say how. Just points says out, differently. Points Just, out the growth would be uh, live if not if not if not forever, like more forever. <laughs> Pitch bot, is it dope? Kendall tells Greg to go find Jess. Robot out. I love Greg. He's great. Again, everyone's including Greg. Everyone wants Greg around. He is a central part of everyone's team. And and there are some times in the episode where Kendall says something and I go, this is why I love Kendall. Roman says, I'm not crazy myself about dying. And Kendall goes, I know, right? It's bullshit. That's exactly what I would say. <laughs> thousand bullshit. percent. Million, million times over, I'd say, yeah, it is bullshit right Rowan says it was very I just uh, I just didn't see it coming with that so this is where if I was Carolina and this would be her job I'd step in and I'd go guys you're really on a knife's edge here because you are going to be pitching something that prolongs the life of the elderly days after your elder father died and I think that people are going to think that maybe this is being rolled out in haste due to your emotional reaction to that event. Like, this is maybe not... Like, you can play on it when it eventually gets rolled out. I just don't think days after is good timing. This is another also one of those moments where Roman is actually expressing he's not okay. He did that heavily in the last episode when talking with Madsen. Yep. And there would be an opportunity with more, you know, less distracted and more caring siblings that someone could talk with him about this How and give him an opportunity you? to, you know... Not just engage in the myth of pre-grieving that he talked about previously, but he does not have that support network. In fact, he fires the closest thing he had to a support network this episode. Kindle says it's very undad to die. (laughs) Undad. Straight up undad. undad. Anti-dad. Roman says people would be intrigued if there was another option. Get loaded on a chip, fired up someone's ass, float around as a gas living a tortoise i don't know there's got to be ways through it death just feels very one size fits all they're, they're, they look they're working on a product after my own heart here if you can figure out a way to like load me on a chip and fire me up in space done buying it take my 401k <laughs> let's go absolutely i bought bo- bo- the baba verse for you jerry says roman that's you know what you, she might as well have said roman roy you know how like mm-hmm. your mother will say like your whole name it, it is straight up that kind of way to start this conversation up where come here now mister so i do think this this is uh you're gonna have to take the, the beat on this one i do think that like this is a lesson to like lawyers or maybe someone in hr or anybody in the sort of support role around a business leader is like Maybe don't go this far. Like, I do think Jerry has gone too far as well. It's one of the things where Jerry is 100% right, but she cannot talk to a senior, to, to her boss like this. She just can't. She should know that. She would never she talk does to know that. this way. She knows it. That's the thing that's so crazy is that she knows it, but, but she, she just, she does, doesn't feel she needs to with Roman. I still don't think she thinks Roman's CEO. I know that she has heard the words. 100% doesn't. She knows she's heard the words Roman CEO, but this is not a thing that like chief legal counsel can do to a CEO. It's like, go, hey, get over here. Like, 
that type of shit. It just doesn't, you work for that person. Like you are there to assist and aid that person in running the business. This is absolutely unacceptable. It, it, it is unacceptable. It's again, she's one hundred percent right in what she's telling Roman. She's just telling him in the worst <laughs> possible way. And if you're, we're gonna, we're, we're never gonna agree on that point. So just accept <laughs> that. Um, also, though, it's one of the things for both Joe and Jerry here that if you view this guy as being like you know a toddler, don't present this way to him in particular. Then, if you think he's an immature child. Don't give an immature child that's effectively holding a gun reasons to be pissed at you. Maybe don't do that either. It's like, none of this is smart on her part. I get that she's angry. I get that she's surprised. I get that she feels from her prior emotional connection with him, which she's now put the kibosh on, that she, you know, they're open to speak honestly like this or, you know, unfiltered like this. But it's dumb. She makes an honest mistake here. I absolutely don't believe Roman should have fired her. But I'm not sure she's fired. I don't think she Roman's was still sure sitting in the crowd. Him. She was still sitting in the crowd later. Uh, Jerry then laces into him. Roman says, "You absolutely." Can't. She says, "Roman, you absolutely cannot fire a studio executive without speaking to legal and HR and having someone else present." Roman says, "Except I can because I did," which is true. Literally, you can. Her job is to help avoid liability, though. Still not sure he should have done it. Roman says, "Jesus fucking Christ! I didn't fire her. Okay, I said that she was fired to her." And she just screams at she, Jerry literally screams at him here. What the fuck does that mean? Roman says it means she's not going to be on the fucking street. Okay, we'll kick her up to international or she'll walk and take a fat fucking producer deal. Like basically what he's saying is like you can come like I have yes, I told her she you was can fired. You can workshop it. We've got a big fucking company here. You can place her somewhere else, give her more money. I don't give a fuck what you have to do, but get her out of that role, basically. Mm-hmm. You can work on the sweet up, chop chop. Jerry says Joey has a lot of relationships. Joey has a lot of relationships here. A lot of friends. He goes, I do too. And she just dismisses that. And Roman says, no, 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 no. This is something dad would have done and you know it. She says, oh yeah, well maybe, but you're not your dad, which is, mm, she, she, she says several things here, which she recognized the immediate moment after she says them the too far. You're the weak monarch in a dangerous That's She gets through that one just because it's a clever turn of phrase, but maybe, but you're not your dad. She dials that one back right away. It's like, okay, sorry. I'm at an 11. Let me, you're in a more complicated position. That's how she tries to cover it. It's like, I'm sorry about that. He doesn't let her get through that, though, because he says, I, when she's saying all this, he, he says, I am what's left, which I think is a wonderful line. Potential line in the episode, by the way. Mm-hmm. I am what's left from Roman. Jerry, here's the fucking deal. You hauling me out of things, telling me to reconsider good calls and using the F word freely, it feels disrespectful. I need you to believe that I'm as good as my dad. Can you do that? Can you do that? He has to ask her twice. He's giving her the opportunity to kowtow, to make up for, you know, the certain element of just hostility and disrespect that she just offered. How does Jerry respond to this? Say it or believe it. <laughs> All right. You, you, you decided to triple down on the insults. Gotcha. So this is where he says, okay, maybe I'll fire you too. Jerry points out that she's not on the kill list. Matson will be angry. He says, fuck Matson. I don't care. That's when Jerry says, be serious. Roman, you cannot win against the money. The money is going to wash you away. Your dad knew. Tech is coming. We are over. Make your accommodation. This is the moment of where Jerry, I think, realizes that, oh, shit, they're trying to tank. They're trying to tank the deal. The language she uses here, it's like, you don't actually think you can keep this job, right? No, no, no. Your only option is selling to this dude. That's it. The world is coming at us. Your dad saw it. Our world is ending. Only way we get out of this is by accepting a lot of cash. That's the best Which you, you don't do. believe. 
which you don't believe. You, Spencer, do not believe what she's saying. You don't. You don't believe that the that the game is over for this company. Shut the doors. Tech is coming. It's over. You just espoused how great the ATM business model was last episode. Like I think, I think they can survive. It's just exceptionally dangerous and it's going to require a lot of massive change and pivoting. And I don't think that the, this crew is, is is adept and capable of pulling that off. Well, that the is, easier solution is just to t- take the cash and run. Of course, the, yes, of course. But like you don't you don't think that what she's saying is true. You just told us like last episode, which you actually convinced me during the process that ATN is actually a relatively sustainable business model. Like it's not it's not something that's going to die tomorrow. Like I, so, I, I just don't. I think she's overstating things to make a point. Is my is my point here? I think she's overstating things to make a point. She's also overstating things <laughs> for her own you know financial benefit too. That if the company is sold, presumably she's a, she's a, a heavy stockholder herself and would reap. Well, from that particular event, yeah. And if she got to let's let's say Matson took a liking to her, made her fucking chief legal officer of his crew, God knows how much money he'd make. Uh, I, I do, I do think, she the, but she would have to convert the euros. It'd be difficult, though. It, it, you're gonna lose. You're gonna lose in that transition. I don't hard. think. I don't think she's wrong that it's incredibly risky to try to maintain. In this of course, new world. of course, it is. They're gonna have to be adaptive as all hell and change how they work. To and they're the wrong people for it. It's yes. 100%, but my point is that, like, her saying that the company's business model so is shot. You like, can't do this. It's like no, that that they wouldn't be selling if that was true. Like, yes. yeah. So anyway, she says this is this is Roman to her. This is simple business decision. You are not good at your job. Maybe Dad didn't know. Maybe I'm firing you for a list of values I choose not to outline right now, but including a failure to close off our liabilities vis-a-vis a claim against Waystar Cruises in a timely manner. Ah, let's do that. Let's run it. Exact narrative that his dad gave him right, right, right before his dad died. Shall we get started on the paperwork? Do you want to do it yourself, or do you want me to get someone a bit sharper? Ooh. Now, quick question with respect to She this actually now. says at this point, I am good at my job, through gritted teeth, and as he leaves... Her lip quivers, and she just yells, "Dazzle!" Uh, notably, isn't that the exact same thing she said when Roman was taught, was trying to fire her the first time er, earlier in the season? Is that I am good at my I job? I am good at my job. Yep, exactly. Um, a question I've got with respect to this now: in two episodes now running, we've had th- three separate scenes of Roman exploding on people in various ways to various degrees. We had Matson last episode, we had Joy earlier, and now we've got Jerry here. In all three occasions. Right before he exploded on them, they said some kind of element of mocking comparison between him and his dad. Is that purely just coincidental? Is this just a guy on tilt and these are people being, you know, antagonizing to him? Or is that becoming a a visible motif between these scenes? Interesting. I think that what they're doing with the writing is that not necessarily he's exploding because of a negative comparison with his father. I think he can accept that. I think that like the reference of his father mm-hmm. is jolting his emotion and he's going to an 11 in that conversation when he comes up, just when Logan just is brought up, period. 100%. This is a man who has not pre-grieved as successfully as he thought and the moment his dad, you know, the specter of his dad enters the room, everything gets dialed up and he just does things. Now, I would like to say, I think he's like 75% right on all three of these. <laughs> But he, well, I don't, I've explained it. We've expressed it. We've expressed it. But I, I do think that there's something to the fact that he's losing his temper when Logan's comes up. I think that's a wonderful point you've made about the writing and a signal that they're giving us. And I also think that like, if you're 75% right, it's like, let's Nate Silver this motherfucker. If you're 75, if you're, if you're right with a 75% confidence interval in everything you're doing, 
one out of four times you're going to fuck it, right? Like, yeah. so, you know, he's not as sharp as he can be, although he's got kind of grounds to be angry with all three of these people. He does. I think Jerry's the fuck, is, is, is the one that's truly most fucked up of, of, of the three. Of this where, is my favorite Kendall reaction, by the way, in the entire thing. When, when let, he, let's when go to it. it. Kendall tells Roman he's going to work all night because I got the big eye on. The ball was looking fat, Roman. I can see everything. Okay, now. This is, this is a Sauron reference? I'd like to say this. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I'd like to say this. <clears throat> um, I did yell at my screen a couple times. Call your sponsor, Kendall. Call your sponsor. <laughs> Call your sponsor. Yeah. yeah. You are, your program is getting a little off here, buddy. Like, mm-hmm. you have got to get it back. Because I think that's the parallel they're drawing. I think that when Kendall gets in these, like, overheated, like, super, to him, how he feels, high risk, you know. It's an adrenaline lot, lot of adrenaline situations. It's you draw the direct line to his addiction issues, right? And I think that that's what Shiv and Roman call out later. I mean, forget the comparison. This is a high for him. It's, it, it, it is in terms of like the emotional state he's in. He and looks like, high. He's like the it. actor plays it high. Like he actually like looks like foggy with his yes. like face. And he doesn't come down until Roman questions him. Kendall tells Roman he's going to, uh, or anyway, Roman explains that he thinks they should let Joy go. Kendall turns around right now. It's all about the move. So, Fuck, that's baller to me. Let's put it into it. Death to joy. Fuck it. Fuck it. Let's ride. Let's ride. Let's go. Is that in, in the short term? Casino. Drunk out of casino. Fuck it. Let's ride. Everything on black. Yeah. From his perspective, hey, it's a big gesture. We can market it well. Long term may have huge liability issues and problems, but short term, that's all we care about. It was a. Uh, then he actually says, Jerry told me that was a bad move. And I should sort of roll it back. So I fired Jerry. Fuck off. You fired Jerry, Shiv's godmother? That one, like, briefly, it's like, Kendall has to step out of himself for a second. It's like, oh, fuck. Fuck off. Roy, Roy House words, fuck off. Roman says, well, we probably got to roll that back. I mean, that's probably too much. I don't know. He starts getting in his own head, right? And this is Kendall. Fuck it, bro. Why not? Drop her in the end zone. Look at you. Who you going to fire next? Fire Frank, Carl, Greg? Fire me, bro. Put on the dad goggles, bro. It's nothing. Dynamic Waystar do is shake up their senior leadership team. Grumble quote, grumble quote, caveat. Some are saying these two young Turks might just have what it takes to turn things around. Completely fictional headline that no one would ever say. Still a little bit funny. But the part to me that I really just, oh, I just adored. But he was like, ah, fuck it. Let's just roll. Yeah, ah, fuck it. Yeah. He literally says, fucking eat, Greg. It's like, whatever we want. Just mad dictators. Caligula. Let's have fun. Yeah. So he's, and and the actor does play it high. I think that Jeremy Strong probably would tell you when he gets in these modes, I play it high. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah. These are the scenes of where I can picture just Brian Cox in the background just getting increasingly pissed at Jeremy Strong. Just like, you method motherfucker. Please well, that's because, off. that's because they probably yell cut and Jeremy Strong's running around like, this is so great. I love it. I love it. I love it. Everything's so great. Everything's so great. Can, can, can you just turn off, please? Like, no, literally, I can't. Sorry. Yeah. It's like uh, when Daniel Day-Lewis was texting with Sally Fields as Abraham Lincoln. As Lincoln. It's like, oh my dear Christ, who am I working with? Got to Thomas Shiv. It looks like they just hooked up. I think the clothes were off. He tells her, she looks nice, very nice. Hey, what do you think about all the election night party, your dad's party? Do you think maybe I should host? I think you should, Tom. I think you should. Yeah. I agree. I think it's a great idea for Tom. You should ele- You should host the election night party. Because I think you'll do a good job. I think you'll actually put thought into it. And I think the three kids are fucking distracted. 
I think it'd be a great idea for him to do that. I, I, I'm straight there with you. I think he'd do a great job of it. I think more than anyone, he would enjoy doing it. He would enjoy the pageantry and the expense and all of the luxury of that process of putting together that party. And this is why I think that, uh, spoiler alert, I think the three kids have leadership issues because nobody's thought to tell Tom that'd be a good thing for him. Like, this is a, good, this is a wonderful thing for Tom to do, and it's a great thing that for them to give him You'll feel like it's a lot of responsibility. Come on, Kendall. Low-hanging fruit. Do you think the three of them have ever planned a party, or have they just always had people for that? I think they've said to themselves, let's have a party. Like, they've probably said those words to each other. And then we'll talk to our party people. And then we'll tell somebody to have a party. She asked him if he's all in on Madsen. He says, your brothers hate me, and you hate me. You'll fire me. So, yeah. And this is one of several moments. I saw a couple earlier. This is one of several moments of where he's just straight honest to Shiv. And Shiv looks taken aback. It's like, oh, well, that cut through a lot of bullshit I was expecting to have right now. Uh, I don't know how to respond now. And then she gets her little shivy grin on her face and brushes by it. Tom perks up when Shiv says she doesn't entirely know what to do about Madsen. Mm -hmm. She says they have a connection. Moment of honesty on her part. She's responding. They do have a connection. She, you know, goes through like a very, like, sort of coarse joke about that, but she is admitting that mm-hmm. they have a connection. She says, then Tom drops this line, potential line of the episode. Still keeping all your options open, honey. You should be careful about that. By the way, this guy right here, mm-hmm. hand up, hand uh, up, y- Professor yes, Spencer. Yeah. I think the character of Shiv should be very careful about that too. I think we've been talking about that with Shiv for like the last four seasons. It's like, this is a fundamental aspect to her character, where she is always going to keep an exit plan. She's always going to keep her options open. As a result, she's never fully committed to anything. And I think this is a character who wants to be back with her that's basically warning her, no, careful with that, honey. Careful maybe with that with me. She calls him the phony man. Tom says, I think I want this back. She looks at him. She says, well, you shouldn't betray me, phony man. He sits down, and then he explains it to her. And my theory here, Spencer, is that he's one hundred percent honest in this I, in this paragraph? This is I, this is all honesty, and then they laugh it off as a joke at the end. But this is all honest. I, I don't think he is hiding a thing here. I think th- I think this is basically a strategy that he's using with her. Is maybe as part of those boundaries thing. Is that I'm just going to tell you what I actually feel. He says, "We'll see what happens." If I try to say it, I, I try to say the truth. It, it's it's when you met when I met you all my life, thinking a little bit about money and how to get it, how to keep money. And here's the thing that people who have always had money don't understand. And this is what he's probably trying to explain, Shiv, is that if you – people who have money don't think about money. Yes. But people who don't have money think – are sort of forced to think about nothing else, about the little bit of money they have. Do I have – okay, I have 40 bucks in my pocket. What's dinner going to cost? What's breakfast going to cost in the morning? When's the next time the paycheck's going to be able to be cashed? Is the bank going to be closed on Friday? And the broke all weekend. What's my gas money? Like – how much is rent? Can I can I short the rent this month? Will the landlord get mad at me? All of these things people have in their head, and it's eating mental space all the time. All the time. And that's what Tom's saying. Rich people, don't think about it. It doesn't even occur to them. They don't have to. Anyway, he says, you, basically, he says, look, I like money. I like being rich. I like all my shit. I like the really nice shit. They giggle about his nice suits. And he says, I was scared you were going to cut me out. You weren't including me in your plans, so I went with Logan. Yeah, it's go. like that's it. I, I accepted that you were always going to keep me out, and I was going to be compartmentalized. But then I looked at it and realized eventually I was going to have to pick you or your dad, and that one's the only way I can really be guaranteed to have any money. You, 
who knows what you might where you might leave me. And this is something we've talked about on the show: is that the concept that like people don't think about money when picking a person to build a life with is sort of juvenile. It's a yeah. juvenile concept, and like clear, he's admitting to her: like I kind of thought about money when I got with you. Like, and if you think that's fucking shallow, throw out all your stuff, throw out your necklaces and jewels for a date at a three star Italian. Again, three star Italian, very good. Come and live with me in a trailer park. Are you coming? She looks at him, walks over. What? Follow you anywhere for love, Tom Wanscams. She laughs, he laughs. They have a big belly laugh together. But I think that he's telling the truth. They're covering up the truth together. And I think she knows it's the truth. I think she's aware of this. Again, this is the same thing. This is where I keep referencing her like a little smirk is that she's confronted by something real and she tries to play it off as a joke. That is her default response throughout the episode. And what's so interesting is that but he does is, too. He does is, too. This is the thing she makes fun of him all the time. The rags to riches story. She makes fun of this constantly. You know, the the, the kid from Psych Pete, you know, or whatever yeah. she calls it. Like, and his response is, yeah, that's what he's admitting. He's admitting is that yeah, that is a fundamental part of my psyche. Is that I didn't have money. I worried about money, and now I don't ever want to let it go. Like, and, and I I don't think that's an unfair thing for him to think, feel, or say. And he calls her out as well as that. And would you give everything up? You who money means nothing, would you be dirt poor with me in a trailer park? Obviously you wouldn't, as much as we played off as a joke here. So what are you even talking about and calling me out on this shit? Yeah, exactly. I I felt a, I felt a lot of sympathy for Tom in this conversation. What what can we draw a certain measure of parallels? It's a it's a bit of a different setting, but between Connor and Willa, in terms of that honest conversation they had before they got married. About, yeah, you know, sure. yeah, are you just are you just here with me for money? And, she and she's like, kinda, kinda. It's like, money's definitely a component. Yeah, but I'm also not I'm also not going anywhere. I'm content. It's like this is an element of that same conversation, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, I think Willa, Tom, Marsha, Greg. I think they're introducing people. The, the more sympathetic yeah. elements of the cast constantly, who are willing to admit. That they are engaging with this family in whatever position they are engaging with, either through the company or through marriage or through dating or through being a prostitute with them or whatever the fuck it is, be in part, and that that in part that's attractive because of the amount of money the family has. And I think the, like turning it the other way because I shit on rich people constantly on this show through the fucking Roy's. I do think that's a, that's a stressor that rich people have. Like I just talked about how rich people don't have the stressor of how much money's in my pocket, how much do I have, that constant churning of how much money I have in my bank account. But one thing that they do have to worry about that not everybody else does is is this person really my friend or not? And I think we're getting some of that. Is that like they're 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 trying to figure out does this person really like me or like me for my money? And I think the answer a lot of times, and what we're getting from the show is it's a mixed bag. Yeah, it's a it's, factor. Yeah, for sure. But, hey, hey, look, Mr. Snippy Snip, can we continue? Uh, we, for what, as long as I can focus on one thing first, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Snippy Snip, please. Yes, we'll get there. Uh, we talked about comparisons between uh, uh, Mats, Matson and Shiv and then Shiv and Tom in terms of how their flirting works or what maybe how they're, what their end goals of how they're maintaining these relationships or going back into them again. One, one similarity that I also kind of noted and talked to a friend about is that Shiv talks with Tom this episode the same way that Tom talks with Greg. And I think that there's there are interesting comparisons in terms of how they go about these conversations that kind of things that could be conceived as flirting, very sexual focused, but also being punchy with another person and seeing how they respond. And there are similarities there, and I don't know what fully to make of that. But it's just another 
working on the chain going up and down, there are similarities at different stages back and forth between these people. Completely agree. In the next scene, Greg does his best impression of a Roy. This is his best Roy impression. He tries. He, I, let's say he succeeds. He gets he gets what he wants. He tells the guy, I need you to doctor this tape to make Logan say, double the earnings. Is the guy refusing to do this on a technical basis or a moral, ethical, I might get in trouble No, basis? what he's trying to explain is, I don't think it even crosses his mind. I can't that, that Greg is that Greg is here. well. He, I mean, he can, but like, what? Yeah. I don't think it even crosses his mind that like he would do that. I think it just he's saying, "Oh, no, I, I can't do this because I don't, I don't have the actual footage of him saying that." That's, I think it's as basic as what he's trying to explain. I think so too. Yeah. But Greg, through calling the man Mister Snippy Snip, which is a really tough insult to give somebody, I, I would be reeling from that. I don't know how I'd recover, honestly. Basically, tells him I need you to fucking lie. Just lie. Just lie. Just make it up. Well, Greg also just straight up calls out that we can you can get his voice from other places. You can snip this in from some other time he used that word. Like your excuse is just you don't want to do the work. Eh, and I think that he's he doesn't feel good about it. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I can't imagine he feels great about it. There could be ethical and moral concerns here. Sure, yeah. Greg has none of those right now. Yeah, are some of those concerns? Uh, Something you may have researched earlier. <laughs> uh, well, you know, conspiracy to commit fraud is a thing that's not just flirted with. It is happily pranced about with this episode. Market manipulation, defrauding investors, breach of fiduciary duty. You know, just things and stuff. It seems like they've done all of those this episode. At least, at least market manipulation. We're going to, we're going to, in terms of the things they do, this is the worst. Um, yeah, you, like the browbeating the expert we see later, that's bad. The, the false projections, that's really bad. The fraudulently producing Logan Roy saying this shit, that's straight up fraud. There you go. Kendall's talking to some finance guy named Pete. He's trying to convince him that the numbers need to be higher. But it needs to be super credible. But it needs to be higher. But it needs to be super credible. Can you do but, that for me, Pete? Can but, you do it? Like, you have happy numbers you can defend, Pete. But can they be double? Like, double what you just, you know, said would be already risky. He says, if it feels scary, it's because the potential is scary, Pete, which is so cringy. And, and Pete actually kind of cringes in his seat when he hears it. It, it, it. I mean, I don't think Pete expresses himself very clearly, but Pete at one point just says, they're not just numbers, they're numbers. It's like he's meaning that, like, yes. you're just treating this as just something that's just, you know, amorphous and manipulated at will. That's not what they are to me, and that's not what we're going to need to represent later. These need some foundation. He doesn't express that point very clearly, and Kendall mocks him, but I know where Pete's coming from here. Yeah, I, we, I think that's the, the, the why the scene is so effective, is that when he says numbers aren't just numbers, they're numbers, we all know what he means, and Kendall pretends yeah. like he doesn't know what he means. Pete then says, I think we can make it the argument. I think we can make it the argument. It's a classic example of someone struggling not to get fired. He's just yeah. trying not to get fired is all he's doing. That you've already said that none of us can say no to you. So this is the best I can say, and I think this is a horrible idea, and I don't want to be associated with it. Cut to Shiv arriving somewhere. It looks like maybe her office, and in comes Tom. She has a FaceTime with Lucas with Tom in the room. Which hey, Lucas. Hey, sweetie. Hey, sweetie, she calls him, and she explains that they are pushing Living Plus. They basically go back and forth. Lucas is telling her, can you stop it? She's like, no. She's like, look, here's the deal. I'm being very nice telling you stuff, but I'm not just going to, like, fucking start making shit up and start dropping stage weights on people's heads. And, <laughs> no Looney Tunes here. And he goes, all right. And she goes, I'll sleep on it. I'll call you back. So. This is interesting. That this She is doing for Tom what Kendall and uh, Roman said they would do for Shiv. Before 
he's in the room. She's making a move. She's making a decision. And he's a co-partner, effectively, in this. For now. Let's see where it goes. But that's interesting. Cut to the theater. Kendall has that look in his eye. Spencer, he's got that look in his eye. Oh, he does. He's disappointed in what they prepared for him. The look in his eye is dilated pupils. (laughs) That's a look. That is a look. So, he's got a house. That's not completely what he asked for. Kendall has to see the... How are the clouds, man? Clouds. Well, the clouds are steam. It's just a little steam. They, they literally it. did not create and could not create cumulonimbus over your fake living plus house, Kendall. I'm sorry. I'll tell you this: WWE has better entrances than what this is. Like, like what you need is like the, the Cody Rhodes entrance, and it would look more like a fucking cloud than this I, thing. I'm willing to believe the WWE has more than 24 hours to put that shit together. They do, and they also have a lot of money. Um, mm. I'm not sure how much money and resources this guy has at his immediate disposal because like Kendall tells him in like a six hour turnaround I mean hell his corporate card probably has a fucking cap on it like I don't even know if he can get get it through the purchasing department that fucking fast this is also in the category of there's only so much you can do no matter how much money you throw at something it's like there's literally a limit to how many people can fit in the room to build this shit it's like you didn't give him much time here Kendall indeed cut to the theater he sighs He's upset. Clearly, Kendall's not happy. He's walking around the theater. He says, "Where did this?" Anyway, he says, "Let me, let me, let me, let me think. Let me think." Roman then says, "Hey, where did uh, these fun little numbers come from?" So Roman's questioning the numbers, you know, of the presentation. Yeah, right? yeah. Says, the- from up here, guys. Up here, I, his head. I, up here. I, I'd like everyone in this room to be a potential witness to the SEC fraud investigation. As I say, the numbers that we're publishing to investors came my, from up here. Me, right in my head. I feel which he uh, then tries to play it off as a joke, as maybe he realizes what he's just saying, or maybe he doesn't. It's Kindle with his most manic. He says, "Pete's got it. Hockey stick. We're pushing to the moon. To the moon. This is a uh, the to the moon thing is uh, something that came about when they were a bunch of." Folks online uh, were pushing like Game stock and AMC stock for a certain mm-hmm. period, basically just juicing the stock because the stock had been like over leveraged by multiple different hedge funds, and there was actually a really slim amount of the stock available in the market. So they bought it all, juiced the price for a very short period of time. That's where the to the moon phrase came from. Yeah, I think even before that, it came from the honeymooners way back in the fifties. But it was very much in terms of this kind of setting. That's where it was applied. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what the reference is. Shifts this down, Rome says the goods, the words are good, the numbers, uh, you know. Shift says, hey, they're big numbers. I'm worried. He's got that gleam in his eye. Jesus fucking Christ, Rome, this is not good. It's going to be very fucking messy. You're out of control. He's out of control. Should we pull the plug on today? Roman clearly thinks they should pull the plug on today, but is unwilling to say it right now in this moment to shift. Confrontation. Confrontation and Roman do not go hand in hand. This is also Shiv trying to do what Matt's and Astrid do. I think her concerns are also perfectly legitimate, but I think she's motivated to try to accommodate Matson here. I think that that is where she started, and I think by the time she gets to this line, she's just speaking honestly. She says, I love him, but he cracks under pressure, and I think we should protect him. We should stop this. Why not both? But I'm, yeah, I'm still with you. I agree. I agree. I agree. I cannot agree more with Shiv here. Cuts yeah. to the day of the event. People are piling in. Roman comes in. Hey, flight jacket. You got your flight jacket, Spencer? I, I did launch. not bring my flight jacket. I'm not prepared. What? For the I'm launch? Need you to, I need you to cover the presentation. I just don't have the flight jacket with me. Spencer, do you remember the rule from before? 
No one says no. No one says no. Thank you. Thank you, Kendall, for the thank new you. rule. Thank you, Lee, for the new rule about flight jackets. I would expect <laughs> you to mail me one in the mail. Uh, Kendall says no clouds. Don't need one. We're going to do an acoustic, acoustic set. Ken and Rome unplugged. Kendall says, heads up, I've gotten even bigger in Colorado. The numbers get crazy good. It's enough to, ma- it's enough to make you lose your faith in capitalism. You can say anything. <laughs> Spencer, how? what's the sentence here? Is he going to go to four to seven years minimum security federal prison? I don't know like what the sentence would be. This is the kind of thing where the SEC just looks at you and says, you know, I actually kind of wanted to work for this. You didn't need to just give it to me on a platter. <laughs> Yeah, I also think that sometimes, like the, especially with feds, they would probably look at Kindle and go, "We really don't want to prosecute you because how dumb you are, but you're making it hard for us not to. Like we, you're not a bad faith actor. You're just stupid. But it's like hmm, tough. It, it, this is the level of just so stupid, so buying your own bullshit, so just high on Kool Aid. The NCC starts to get worried that. Are we going to be able to prove mens rea where he cl- may actually believe this bullshit? Well, and it's also like the feds have very even even though this arm of the federal government does have some sizable resources, they're still limited. Yes. And like, do we really want to go after this numbskull when there are really bad faith actors out there who are defrauding people's pension funds through their fucking shitty actions, or this numbskull who's just trying to like get a cheer in this what? theater? He's, it's the weirdest thing of where he's doing a pump and dump, but he's forgetting he has to dump. Of where he is jacking up the stock price, the Wolf of Wall Street style, which the end goal of that is then you sell high. But he's trying to drive it high to scare off the guy, and then it's going to crash while he's on the train. Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't, I don't get thinking, it. Really not thinking that far ahead, yeah. Um, he says, hey man, um, this is Roman. In that case, I should talk a little bit. And that's never good when somebody starts that way. And he says, I, uh, I just think, I don't know. I mean, maybe like, uh, maybe we shouldn't do it. Or maybe like, maybe postpone Kimball. Kindle is crushed immediately. And Jeremy Strong plays it from I'm high to sober like that. It's he just snaps. He snaps at, he snaps it, out of it. It's such wonderful acting of where it's his face and every aspect of his just, you know, person who just falls once he's, yep. it's, it's the slightest thing. Just like the lack of support from his brother is just enough to utterly just crash the high. Well, because his ego is so fragile. Yes. That like one question, when he gets one serious question about what he's doing. Can't, can't say no to me. Can't say no to me. It's the it's the the little boy with the finger in the dike, right? And he pulls the dike out, and all that self doubt just rushes in, and that's what happened. Like it, it was just this. It's all by a thread with his ego, right? Yeah. He says, "Hey, man, is Roman? It's I mean, it's okay. It's been okay. We just we just dump dump it on fucking Ray. Look, it's his division. Maybe not do the whole." Uh, Kendall's like, "This is the idea. Like we have to do this right now." Roman keeps saying. Look, how about this? How about this? This is how he tries to sell the idea that they shouldn't do it. I can't do it. I'm the one that's failing here. I can't execute on your vision. So maybe that's why we, we postpone. It's transparent, but at least it's kind. It, it, it's an attempt. It offers a certain measure of cover that just put blame on me. But what it really results in is that now Kim's going to do this solo on stage. It's exactly what he does. Well, he was always going to do a solo on stage, right? There was talk at certain periods like Roman would round robin with him. Like, you read this part, you read this part. I think I think they've been workshopping and changing this as they go. These guys don't plan just like, you know, set things down in stone at the beginning and then work from that. That's not how they operate. They certainly do not. So anyway, Jade comes in and tells Kendall it's time and 
you know, he just gets up to do it. So it was interesting. Like Roman's like, hey, we should cancel this. Before they can finish the conversation, it's time to go on stage and he just goes on stage. Yeah. What? Like, how about we delay five minutes to finish this conversation about if we're going to delay this thing for days? Like, what? Like, you're, you're I, I was very Roman confused com- by Roman. You're asking Roman to complete a confrontation, sir. He's not built for it. Carl then Particularly stops Kendall. Carl stops Kendall in the middle of the, the hallway. Can, and I, I felt like you, can, would, you would have really loved this Carl moment. I, I, I'm loving Carl Unchained just throughout this entire season. It's great. It's like, He's always been lovely, but this season with Logan, you know, either in the background or gone, he's been at an 11, and it's just wonderful. Yeah. I mean, he basically is like, he's being nice. He's like, look, just help me. Help me understand the numbers. Talk to me through it. Just just help me. And he, Kendall is in a ter- terrible mood. He keeps saying, not right now, right, not, not right now. And then finally, Carl just dumps on him. I mean, Carl's coming to this with like, I need to be able to defend this. I'm the CFO. You can't hide this from me. I'm the one that actually has to market this shit after you're done with your presentation. It's a perfectly legitimate thing he's coming to Kindle with, but as you said, Kindle is not in the mood for it. Perfectly legitimate. So then he finally says this. Oh, yeah, well, all right, well, listen to me, all right? I took a lot of shit from your dad because we've been through the mill, but I'm a CFO at major public companies for two decades now, and I know a thing or two about a thing or two. And if you fuck up this deal, or you try to stand up numbers that I am not comfortable with, he says, easy, easy CEO, CFO. He's trying to, like, pull rank on CEO, CFO. Carl calls his bluff. Oh, yeah, you're going to fire your chief chief financial officer a weekend with your dad gone. You'd be toast. Carl then says, look, I'm going to paraphrase here. Stop doing my Carl impression. Would you like Would you like we're, me to say literally what he we're says? Rely, we're relying on each other. How about that? Can we say that? We're relying yeah, on each other. They, they are certainly relying on each other. They're forming a certain, you know, like mutual circle with each other, I say. Might, 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 might to express it that way. A mutual circle. <laughs> How's it going? He says, so let's get real, okay? If you say anything that I don't like up there, you make me look foolish, I'll fucking squeal. Good luck, okay? Good luck, buddy. Good luck to you. I, I love how he frames this because he came to them in a perfectly legitimate way. Kendall was trying to shove him off, and then he goes aggressive, but he frames it with what Jerry enjoyed it of. Okay, I tried to be reasonable. Now I'm going to be aggressive. I'm also going to frame it with, but you can't punish me for this, and here's why. Yeah, and he, but he but he then also concludes with, look, man, uh, you know, I you, I just don't want you to lie on stage. Yeah, it, like it connects. He connects the whole thing to him. Yes. He keeps saying how, like, look, this is how this affects me. This is why. Like, I felt like Carl's approach to this was abundantly better than Jerry. And even though he got he got sort of tough with him, at no point, if I was Kendall, at no point during this would I have thought of firing Carl. Like, I, I, it, 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 he is very, very reasonable in this conversation, in my opinion. I, I think I think he comes across better. I think he's also just smarter doing it to Kendall rather than Roman. Because Kendall... You can talk to Kendall. You can call Kendall an asshole to his face, and he'll run with it. Roman's a harder sell for that. You, you antagonize Roman. Roman just does shit. I would say. On the stage, there's some sort of ATN commercial for the election coverage. Tom is practicing his speech. You're an ATN citizen. And you're an ATN citizen. And you're... Is he Oprah giving out cars? I think that's the joke he's going that, that, for. That is the comparison, yes. Do you notice that during all of this... No one checks on Tom. No. No one's like, Tom, are you ready for your speech? Are you feeling okay? Nobody Greg, checks on him. Greg does. Greg, good friend that he is, several times is there with Tom to like talk about the speech and what he's doing. But only Greg. 
But you see what I mean? Like, it's like he's going to go on and talk about he's, election he's coverage next. for ATN days before the fucking election. He goes on after Kendall, and there's just no t- no discussion because this is not this is not fucking the living plus event. This is like investor day. This is yeah. like their big, basically like how Apple does the big product launch every year. So every part of the company's got to talk. Like, I mean, Tom's talking about ATN. I'm sure the person from cruise is going to talk about cruises like on and on and on. Right. I'm straight up there with you. It's it's weird that given how important this is to them, given the presumably millions of Americans that are going to watch election coverage the next day, that they're being so cavalier about what should be one of their front and center presentations about one of their most probably profitable divisions. Yeah, completely agree. Kendall comes out to public enemy harder than you think. Yes, he does. Did you think he was going to rap on stage? Tell me. Did you think he was before he was done? My blood pressure was so high at this moment because I thought with Kendall, because I thought with Kendall losing his confidence, mm-hmm. I thought this was going to go way worse than it did. Way he, worse. He starts at his worst. He finds a while to, fi- to find his groove, to catch his speed. He gets there. He straight up gets there. It's committing fraud, but in the moment, he eventually not only gets where he needs to go, he wins the damn room. It's a serious question for you. How much of this speech do you want to talk about? I don't. I'm not going to read the whole thing. How much? How do you want to do this? What broad strokes? Broad strokes. Uh, okay. Um, so I guess he kind of like starts with big shoes, big shoes, nervous, 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 nervous. Yeah, yeah, nervous, nervous, nervous. And then he actually talks about the teleprompter, which you know gets Tom to speak about that. Um, then we get. Uh, Kindle or Shivin Shivin Roman talking about him now rebranded Kindle goes woo woo if I cringe any harder I'll become a fossil. Yeah, throughout this conversation, the audience is politely laughing and you know trying to get used to it. While up in the you know gallery seats, his friends, family, and coworkers are just lambasting him at every possible turn. So it seems like what they're pitching here, what and this is what he starts to get into, is like in a big enhanced assisted living facility. Kind of like combined with like a maybe um, it's a land cruise. Like there's what are those? What are those? Um, what are those like towns they used to build for people of just a particular company? There's a name oh, for com- it. Company towns. Yeah, there's another name for it. But like it's like um, a town planned communities kind of thing. Tie entirely for they, well, the, the, there's a name that comes from a specific example in history where oh, a company had done well, this, like Levitt Town. There the, it is. The, yes. Yeah. Yes. There it is. Um, here for you. Yeah. So that that's kind of what they're they're pitching here, and I kind of got the as he was talking, he said, "Movies, shows, rides, experiences to enjoy at home with your family who will not stop wanting to visit." We think security plus entertainment is a pretty unbeatable offer, right? I would, here's what I was thinking about. Remember the movie Wally? I do. This sounded the by and large. This sounded like the human axiom. In the po- yes. Yeah, the guys in the pods who just have like the soda floating and the chairs. Yeah. That's what I thought they were building here. That, that, that is straight up what they're building. It's that plus some theoretical longevity treatment thing of a bob thrown on top of it. This is what they're offering people. They're offering an opportunity to have your lives completely, you know, controlled for every moment of delight and bliss by this company. 
So you don't have to worry about anything. Everything will be perfectly tailored and workshopped and presented just for all of your entertainment needs at every given moment for the rest of your life until your cash runs out. So, and there are communities like this. Like there are communities, particularly in Florida, that are built around similar kind of principles. Well, here's something. I don't know if I ever said this direct to you, but you probably already know about me. I'm real excited to live in assisted living. Like I cannot wait. I'm really excited. And here's what I've learned about assisted living facilities. They've really expanded. Like, so now there are assisted living facilities that actually have freestanding homes with yards. And you live in the freestanding home with a yard. You can actually buy it. Some of them have like the realtor that will that will execute the transaction for you, but you don't touch the lawn and you don't even clean your own house. People come in and clean it, and it's part of this planned community within this assisted living facility, but you have a freestanding house that you own. It's kind of kind of wild. There are entire towns in Florida with their own zip codes that are exactly that. That's why it I'm is the new age. I can't, I can't wait to move to Florida. This this actually sounds pretty great to me. This this like living plus thing. I'm hey, all in basically. Crowds into it pretty quick. It's like yeah. he, 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 he hits three points on the subject by point one. Hugo is already saying, "Man, did you write that, Carolina? That's actually really good." By point two, the crowd's got bated breath. By the time we get to longevity treatments with point three, they're buying whatever shit Kindle's throwing at them. He says, well, one more thing. How about I tell you it's going to last forever? Back to Shiv. Oh, okay, now we're leaving planet Earth. Glad you're strapped in. He goes on to talk about health and happiness. It's just sort of, it's just sort of, here's the thing. Like, let's forget the fact that this is Logan's son doing this. Mm -hmm. Isn't it sort of nuts for a company to be telling you that they can help you live longer when their CEO just killed over? It's an interesting pitch. It's a, it's a strange time to do it. What? It's like you, the company's standing there saying, "Hey, we can we can help you live another fifty years, but we couldn't help our CEO live past eighty one." But, but Kindle does it so perfectly, though, of where he spins it back around about what's the value of doing this. That if this had existed with my dad, if this had been an option that my dad could have used, what wouldn't I have paid for just another year with him? And that vulnerability, that choked up moment, which I think is legitimate, but he's at the same time still doing it for the sake of getting Oh, it's real, for sure. He's tapping into something real, basically. The best lies tap into a real feeling. Um, Thank you, George Costanza. uh, It's true. That's that's Uh, how George told Jerry he lied. Yeah, uh, and it sells the room. The room's captivated by the time he does that. It's like, oh my God, I know that feeling. Look at that feeling we're seeing through him right there. Anybody would pay for this. This is a gold mine. I don't. I don't know about they're, captivated. They're, I, I I heard a little bit more polite clapping than you're characterizing, but they're at least not against him. They're not against him. Twitter's positive on him. The room is sold in a way that they weren't sure they were going to be when we get him repeat big shoes like eight times. Oh, for sure. Anyway, Shiv goes out, talks to Matson, says maybe someone could put a, his dick in the spoke. So Shiv is clearly pushing Matson to do something here. And Matt, well, Matt, Mattson doesn't need any pushing. Mattson wants to do something. He's trying to get well, Shiv to do something. Well, no. I mean, she goes, this is how I read it. She went outside and called him, or at least got on the conversation with him, and she says maybe someone could put his dick in this, folks. So I think that what happened is she she was giving, planting in his head, like, maybe you could tweet something or do something to slow this down. She did not expect that he would tweet a Holocaust joke. Yeah, he didn't. Ex- he, 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 he tweets. It's a fun one of where what he's referencing is the words that were over the gates to Auschwitz in German of "work shall set you free." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know what he's referencing. Yeah, I, know, I know, I know, I know. I'm not going to fave it. 
Not, but he changes one word though. The first word he changes to the mascot that Greg played back in season one. So it's the mascot. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll set you free. It's strange. It's a strange it, thing. It's, it, it, this is again. This is Elon Musk reference of those just weird tweets that he throws around at twelve o'clock at night. Yep. Kindle then kicks it over to the Logan video, and the phrase "double the earnings" is clearly dubbed in. Greg offers this. That's really well edited. Yeah, very well edited. Greg's proud of himself. He the ro- the uh, room is horrified. Be. The room is horrified. Uh, yeah, I mean that was the part that I think they all said, "Oh, that oh. They, they can't, they can't do that." Like Shiv goes, "That's nope, can't do that." Can't. Nope. So, we, there's nothing. Any degree of investigation that's going to come out. Anyway, that's when Kendall does the whole thing about if I had another year yeah. with my dad, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be priceless. I miss you, Dad. I love you, Dad. Logan goes off screen. Candle stands there. Carolina says, General Buzz. Pretty good. People seem to like it okay. Hugo says, Oh, fuck. Doddrick McFry. The tweet, yes. He's calling it a concentration camp, which is a tough joke. She says, Okay, that's a what? A Holocaust joke? Which, by the way, anytime, anytime someone describes your joke as that's a what? That's a Holocaust joke? You, It's over. It's tough. It's done. Time. Godwin's law has just been firmly passed. So, first question he gets. Um, by the way, Carolina's in the back because she's the pro that she is. Says we have got to stop people from asking him questions because Kendall's about to base jump into a buzzsaw. She thinks Kendall can't handle it. She has every right to think Kendall can't handle it because of past Kend- performance is typically an indicator of future behavior. I mean, and- My question for you. Yes, please. Kendall gets the question. Spencer, how do you think Kendall, ha- Kendall handles the question? Like a goddamn champ. Like, absolutely. He rises above it. He it, It's perfect for his purposes. It fits exactly into the narrative he wants. He even references that, you know, European, what, you, what can you do? But we're going to convince him with respect to how great the product this is here on in the future. It is such an... It is a well-handled response on his part to what is, I think... Carolina's concerns are fair. This is a hell of a changeup to throw the guy when he's midway through his midway through his batting routine. Yeah, thousand percent agree. He says, "I'm not going to fave it." Personally, I wouldn't have said that. Sincere apologies for any offense caused. He's not saying it as quick as I'm saying it. By the way, he's saying this very slow. Yeah, he's very European. And if and when we complete the deal, he gets into the incredible opportunity this product presents. He'll tweet something different. Shiv calls Matson and says, "Back off." Matson gives her a token. I know what I'm doing. You don't, sir. If this is what you chose to how you chose to go about this, cut back to Kendall. He's smart, but we don't always come across as we intend on social media. It, and some of the things about Living Plus, actually, this is what we we see it going beyond. You know, we we know it's kind of like social media, but it's better. It's physical social media. It's in the real world. I think people are hungry for that connection. I know I am. Wow! Wow! Is my blood pressure going down again? Finally, this, after like forty minutes in this episode, I can start to relax. And this isn't scripted. This is just him on the fly. Kendall is capable of some impressive shit when he's not just getting in his own way. Kendall then gets pulled and says, it's been fun. That's my time. That's my time, folks. Tippy uh, waiters. See ya. Question, by the way. So many people like to say that everyone in this show is just another genius and they're engaged in Machiavellian scamming. And particularly everybody's just saying that Matson's the master manipulator and he's playing everybody with their strings. Is it also possible that Matson's just a moron that got lucky? It's like... The guy's smart, but if this is his method of being disruptive, this is just a dumb thing to do. Dude, who are you asking? I, I, I said last episode, I pointed out multiple times that I felt like the dialogue was indicating to us 
that he's just not good socially, that he's just kind of dumb socially. Yeah. Like, I thought they were pointing to this before, and I think it, I saw. I finally, is... I finally did it, Spencer. I watched the the next on. I watched the preview oh, for next week, and it seems like they're going to keep going with this idea that McMadsen is just so, he, he's very much an Elon Musk stand in, and that he's just socially awkward and says stupid shit all the time. And that's like, if you like Elon Musk, you think he's a genius, great. But it's kind of hard to argue that sometimes he gets in his own way. This is an example for that when it comes to Madsen, I think. Kendall gets off there. Tom, by the way, is uh, is about to walk on. He says, how am I supposed to follow this? He just promised them eternal life. Greg tells Tom, look, I'll be right here. I'll be right here. He's like a mother hen. I'll be right here yeah. cheering you on. I'll be cheering you on, Tom. I got you, buddy. I got you. I believe him. I think Greg cheered him on the entire presentation. Kendall then gets all the flowers. He gets a bunch of flowers afterwards. The laurels are his. Nothing but positive things. Hugo is super awkward, as he always is. The king is dead. Ugh. Long live the king. Kendall. And queen. Roman then points out, Madsen deleted the tweet. <laughs> Look at that. Heil Kendall actually gets said in this room, by the way, I'd like to point out. I was. I almost didn't believe I heard that. I almost just like refused to believe that someone's throwing that I right watched, now. I watched the show to do my notes on my, on my iPad, and there's... Shout out Apple. Thank you, Steve Jobs. There's this really great split screen feature where I can just very quickly go back like 10, 10 seconds. I went back three times to make sure I heard Heil Kindle. Is it? I, I don't believe remember, it. I didn't remember who. Was it Hugo? No. It's just, it some, Hugo. it's just some fucking dude off screen. Someone out there. I think what they're saying is that like that's how – that sounds just like overly – um, inappropriate this workplace always is for Waste yes. Africa at this these, level. These guys were not offended by the Holocaust reference. They were just afraid that other people would be. Exactly. That's a, yes, that's a, and it's a wonderful way to prove that, which is like, they clearly weren't offended by it because they're fucking making Holocaust jokes. Doubling down. At least Nazi jokes. Anyway, this is from Roman. The motherfucker deleted it. He deleted the tweet. See anything? Nothing to see? Dipshit. Leans in to look at the deleted tweet. Kendall says it's a price rocket. Greg says he was cheering them on. Carl, he's special. Hey, guys, hey, everybody. Hey, 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 everybody. This guy right here, he's special. <laughs> Carl is that guy, I'm telling you. He's that guy in the fucking, in the in the locker room of the golf course, hands in pockets, hip jutted out, being like, I think, you know, that cart girl, I really do think she's got a thing for me. I really do think she likes me. Now, I did well. Yeah, that's that's fucking Carl. That's fucking Carl. Roman gets a buzz at his cell phone. Oh, by the way, question for you. I want to know what you think about this. But he's getting all the flowers. Everybody's telling Kendall what a great job he does. Roman walks out. Shiv is standing there. She doesn't seem happy. The last two shots we get from the scene is Roman walking out of the room and Shiv standing there unhappy. Are they trying to portray jealousy or uh, is it something deeper uh, with regards to strategy with how he's running the company? Uh, Shiv strategy concerns and also feeling that she, she's maybe possibly you know betting on the wrong horse. Her the, the constant uncertainty that's wrapped up in her character and maintaining both options. Roman, I think he's just feeling left out. But he voluntarily chose to not support this, to not be on stage, to not have his moment in the sun, and now his brother succeeded, and he's just again separate, removed from things. Yeah, I think that's how about a you? Fair way. I I think that they were portraying. Immediate jealousy, but piggybacked onto that, a concern that Kendall is not the guy to give a bunch of positive affirmation to because you just don't want him running out of control. I think they're concerned about where this goes for him. 
Kindle doesn't win two episodes in a row. It's like, we're, we're giving Kindle a lot of accolades right now, and in the moment, he deserves them. But it's all centered around him committing fraud and him massively inflating what is already a burgeoning ego. None of this is going to work out well long term. This guy, Kindle does not win at the end of this series under any scenario we've ever imagined. And this isn't going to help that. Yeah, you're 100% right. So, uh, Roman gets a buzz on a cell phone. It's an edited, edited copy of his dad saying, I'm convinced that Roman Roy has a micro dick and always gets yeah. it wrong. And, and from Wikipedia, Wikipedia said this is Kindle sent him this. Oh, really? Kindle's Kindle sent him. That's what, well, that's what, that's, well it, not the most said. reputable source necessarily, but that's what Wikipedia said. How did they know Kindle sent him? Maybe, I didn't get to see whether it maybe has Kindle's number on there. I couldn't tell. Yeah, I look. I usually look he at the cell phone. I'm, a, I'm the cell phone detective. I didn't see that this time, but anyway, maybe. The, um, then in a flush, the most of self, interesting maybe, thing is how Roman reacts. Yeah, he he kind of laughs, but then in a, I, I called it in my notes a flush of self hatred. He keeps listening to it on a loop, 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 but he gets more bummed out, more bummed out, more bummed out as he listens to it. How did you how did you interpret that scene, Spencer? Uh, even mix of self hatred and also missing his dad. It's, it's certain equal measure that even just the abuse, it's still an opportunity to hear his dad's voice. So mix utter just breaking himself down, self hatred, self doubt, all the rest, but also a certain element that the, all of them expressed of where he's still dealing with his grief, and if, even if it's abuse from his dad, he'll take that just to get some element of his dad's voice. Okay, sounds right. Cut the ship in the car with Tom. If we're thinking of hosting, we can't get into any of our shit. She says it needs to be party and strategy only. He says, I can't help it if I find strategy sexy, though. Shiv smiles and gives him a oh, I don't care look. He's playing in a bit. He's playing in a bit. He's engaged once again. We'll see where their weird, twisted, toxic, slash loving, whatever relationship goes. Yeah, it's uh, it's strange, for sure. Uh, Unquestionably. Fair thing to say. Cuts Kendall's walking on the beach. Then he gets in and he floats in the water. We're scared it, anytime Kendall gets in water, right? We're terrified. Uh, Kendall in water is either at his highest or his lowest. The other major scene of Kendall in water was when he was like in that pool and you and I were debating whether Kendall drowned in the pool before when the episode ended. That's, that's what I'm referencing is that I think we're yeah. always scared when Kendall's in water because he's like, he's always on that border. Like he, the self-hatred is so strong in him that he's always on that border of self-harm. You, you planning to come out? Yeah, like yeah. I, 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 I always worried. I think it, I think we were supposed to be worried about him in that scene. What he drew a one in the sand with his foot. What was that about? Was that was that referencing the number one son thing that his dad called him? Or number one boy, number one okay. boy. That's it, number one That's boy. A thousand percent what it was. Uh, and there so, you go, Spencer. That's the end of the recap for you. I again, I thought this shout was shout to good... me for the recap. Let's Kudos to Lake. Proper laurels right here. This man presented this product incredibly well. I'm bought in. I, I want to join with these communities right away. Wonderful. The man Wonderful. Talks community, actually. Please, join us. All right. I think we're ready for best line of the episode. Spencer, do you have any nominees for best line of the episode? Uh, I'm going to go with a few. Uh, let's start from the top. Once I scroll up there, our first option are... Uh, last line we ever get from baby Brian Cox on the entire show. Oh, can you please stop buzzing around me? God, you're fucking useless. A lot of you. You're as bad as my fucking kids. To which Dugas says, uh, that, that's bullshit. Sorry, sorry, Ken. To which Kendall responds, oh, that, that that's fine. That's a Valentine's card. Uh, God damn, that's funny. Jerry's summary of, of Matson: nobody minds a genius acting weird. True. Genius is allowed... If you're genius, you're apparently allowed to get away, get away with a lot of shit in the real world. Uh, yeah. Shiv, Shiv, yeah, don't get mud on my confirmation dress. That was just a laugh-worthy moment. Uh, 
Shiv, I have found I am too busy with my dad. And so um, Sarah has sometimes found me somewhere so I can have a moment to cry. You're scheduling your grief? Tom responds. Effective little scene. Um, Joy's... All of the build-up, you read it out loud, but all of Roman's build-up to firing Joy. Of where, you know, he does, the fuck does this guy know about anything? He's not his dad. He can't do that. Roman's tracker is bullshit, to which Joy responds, No, I'm sure that where you are where you are for a very good reason. Ending with him just straight-up firing her, it's well-done, well-delivered television right there. Uh, Kendall, here's the rule, okay? No one can say no. Yes, Kendall. Thank you, Kendall. Kent for the cool new rule. He, as you as you noted previously, he cannot any degree of negativity, and he would collapse. He can't look back, or he'll be lost. Thanks, Kendall, for the cool new rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, the line from Shiv: "I'm sure you're keen to be amongst it. It, yeah, the vaginas of cheerful women who aren't tall enough to be models. God, she could turn a phrase." Uh, uh, Tom, same conversation. I think, I guess, if I was going to say something from the heart, I would say I'm sorry. To which she responds, you're sorry? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry for fucking you up. After a game of Bitey? Yeah, Tom Blom's game has finally made me feel something. God, she's brutal. Uh, later on, uh, from Greg. Well, uh, can I just say, I, I think it's hard to make houses seem like tech because we've had houses for a while now. Yes, Greg, we have. We work. We work. Uh, so I think people were very intrigued uh, if there was another way through the whole situation. You mean life? Kendall, yeah, yeah, death, yeah, you know. I mean, get loaded to a chip and fired up somebody's ass and float around like a gas, living a tortoise. I don't know. There's, there's got to be a ways through. Death just feels very one-size-fits-all. That's, again, we didn't talk about it. That's yeah, not it's really bullshit. A, it's bullshit. That's another, like, really elitist line from them with, like, we don't. We shouldn't die. We're above that. That's a commoner thing. Yeah, I thought of that because um, yeah, there's a really there's a really great uh, miniseries right now called uh, Is it called Fleisch- Yellow Jackets? Called <laughs> Yellow Jackets. Very compelling season one. Called Fleischman is in trouble. They t- tackled this oh, idea yeah. that like rich people are in our worst patients because they think their money should be able to prolong their life or at least fix any disease ever. And I think that I think, do you think they were attacking that from one side of it? I didn't want to mention that though because I agreed with them one hundred percent. Dying is bullshit. It, it is bullshit. But thinking that you're above it, a different kind of bullshit. Uh, a lot of great back and forth between Jerry and Roman. You are a weak monarch and a dangerous interregnum. Oh. Uh, no, no, I think you need to reconsider. This is something the dad would have done. You know it. Oh well, maybe. But you're not your dad. She's cutting when she says that too. Roman tries to tries to get her back. I need you to believe that I am as good as my dad. Can you do that? Can you do that? Say it or believe it. Ooh. And ending all that with her repeating it. It's a powerful maxim. I am good at my job. I agree. She just walked into this conversation with a different understanding of where it could go. Uh, great line from Tom to Chiv. Still keeping all your options open, honey? Yeah. You should be careful with that. Uh, you read it all but the entire speech from Tom to Shiv on the subject of truth it's just great this is a wonderful actor I like when they give him non-comic lines some of my favorite lines in the show is when this guy gets to have dramatic moments because he sells them so well mm-hmm. uh, Matthew McFadden is his name look at us knowing the fucking actor's name all of a sudden 
Um, Mr. Snippy Snip is going to stick with stick with my head. Mr. Snippy Snip forever. That's never going to leave. Mr. Snippy Snip now has resident space. A new living plus community in my brain for Mr. Snippy Snip. Uh, I liked it from Paul. It's a weird line, but the thing is, numbers aren't just numbers. They're numbers. Like, I get you, Paul. I I'm got straight you. there. We with all Pete. got it. Pete. Pete. We all Wouldn't got Pete. Pa- we all understood Pete. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Carl's you, Carl's line to Kendall when they're in the hallway. It's just gorgeous, and every Carl line is this entire season. Uh, Roman, if I cringe any harder, I might become a fossil. Yes, I'm with you there, Roman, for much yeah, of that speech. I was like that too. Uh, the line from Kendall that, well, if you asked me, what would I take an extra year right now with my dad and say the unsaid? That would be priceless. I miss you, Dad. I love you, Dad. It's like it's from the heart, but it's also very, very intentional to bring it to bear right there, right then and there. Uh, Tom, how am I supposed to follow this? He's promised the maternal life, and just because it shocked the shit out of me, but Dodrick Macfrey. Is a hell of a surprise tweet from Matson in this episode. With the, with the original line being Arbit Macfrey. I'm pronouncing it right. So, sir, I ask you, God Emperor of the segment, which of these lines or which one that I didn't even offer wins? He gave us a lot of good nominees, a lot of good writing this episode. But, actually, let's award an honorable mention. Honorable mention, I think, should go to that conversation. With Tom, where he goes, where he tells her, what was the line specifically, where he's like, um, you know, if you think if you think that's bullshit, then you should throw out all your jewels. Yes, you should it's throw it's everything away. Poverty. Yeah, throw it, throw that thing away, and then and join me with yeah. for three star Italian. You want to live in a trailer park with me, Shiv? Do you? Yeah. But line of the episode goes to Shiv again this week. I'm heavy on Shiv this season. I think she's having a wonderful season. It's okay. one you did not offer, so shout out to me for continuing the tradition. It is. I love him, but he cracks under pressure, and I think we should protect him. We should stop this. This is the combination of your love for Shiv this season, but your never-failing love for Kendall, too. For the Shiv line about Kendall. It is, and it's also, like, I think where we're going. I I picked it because I think that the next couple episodes are going to be Roman and Shiv having to execute on this line because the confidence that Kendall's going to derive from actually doing well here, he's going to be completely, at a bare minimum, He's going to be insufferable to Roman because he's going to think he's the sole CEO. Yes. But further, I think he's going to be a complete disaster with everybody else. And that's where I think that your your prediction that they're going to fuck the company, the company will lose a substantial amount of value and they'll end up like way worse off financially toward the end of this thing. I think I think you're you're on to something there. I think that's what they're going to execute here in the last four episodes is that like, I mean, obviously the company's not going to go down to be worthless, right? But I think that they are going to fuck the value to the point that when the sale does go through, it's like 75 bucks a share. I mean, they're either going to fuck the value to the point. Half, that, half what they want. It, it, they're either, either they're going to wreck the sale price or the sale's just not even going to happen and both Roman and Kendall are going to be thrown out of the company in disgrace. And the company's going to be severely damaged. Their stock value will last all kinds of shit. No one's wa- not particularly neither of those characters are walking away from this claim. Completely agree. All right, let's award Roy of the week. Let's do loser first. Uh, Roman, maybe Roman. It's like Roman is clearly on tilt. He's not processing, processing his grief correctly. He's attacking people around him when they, you know, trigger him with respect to aspects of this. 
He's second-guessing himself even when he makes these grand gestures, and he probably shouldn't be making them. Uh, he, fi- he fires one of the people he was previously closest with and was previously his closest confidant and supporter. And at the end of the episode, he ends in a degree of self-flagellation and doubt after everything that happened with respect to Kendall. It's like, the guy does not have a great episode, even if he has what one could perceive as standing up for himself moments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you here. I think it's got to be Roman. I think you can't pick Shiv because I think Shiv is actually dealing with her grief. She's she actually is. She's actually addressing it. I, she's I, working I, in relationships. You, uh, you see, you went back to that. Working relationships, which she is doing with Madsen. But remember we had that argument Until- last – yeah, that's where we had the argument. Because I kept telling you, like, I don't know, maybe a woman with a child in her belly might want to figure out if she has something with the existing husband. And you're like, nah – Nah, it's all manipulation. Like, I think that I'm she's more trying cynical to, about Shiv than you are. Yeah. She's trying to figure out. Okay, I'm pregnant. Do I have something here with my husband? I think that's a totally fair thing for her to be doing, and I think it's human. Could be. Uh, and she's doing that. She is. She's going down that road, and I think she's going to get that answer in what she's doing with Tom. And I think that she's on top of shit with regards to this sale in a way the other guys aren't. Now she is playing both sides, so I think there's a there's a potential for her to lose an episode coming up, what? but she hasn't lost yet. And um, she, she also indirect because she gave him too much rope. She Matson ultimately acted poorly with respect to her advice. Tom is a professional as always. Greg created Mister Snippy, Snippy Snip, Snip, which will live on in infamy. Uh, so all those characters, Connor Weiler, aren't even there. Connor Connor is not in the episode. Uh, so let's talk about Winter because I think Winter clearly has to be Kendall. It does with a massive asterisk. Oh yeah, oh. it's a it's a off a cliff situation. He's a, he is high. He, like let's do those. He's bits. soaring before he's he higher falls. than everyone else, but he is on the edge of a cliff. It's a, this is the thing of where the guy wins this episode because he strapped a rocket to his back. Let's see if it explodes. Come next episode. Yeah, I don't feel real good about Kendall. I'm gonna be honest with you, but whatever. Uh, I mean, I'm with you though. It's like he in this episode wins. It's like I saw people like, oh man, this is you know, he's just being an idiot. Oh, it's never going to work out. It's like, no, 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 no. In this episode, yes, he wins. That's what we're talking about. It's built on episode. sand. Well, it, it it only is built on sand because we know we know Kendall, right? And and fraud. Well, yeah. Uh, but if he, broad. but if he was, he was a, like a normal person, and he would go, "Oh, I got the win. Maybe I should, I should be happy with my my win, and then sort of take it easy next episode." But we know he's not going to do not that. We know he's going to overshoot, and he's going to run into a lot of problems. So he won this episode with the caveat he's likely to lose at minimum next episode, and maybe four straight. Like mm-hmm. it could be a real problem for him. He might go on a losing streak here, but right now, he said everything on black, and it came up black. Um, all right, let's. I think I've done enough work for the episode. I'm going to kick back. I'm going to relax. It's time for Spencer's Relationship Advice of the Week. Uh, just a little thing that I, I've enjoyed for a few of these episodes, and we've talked about it before, but this show is built entirely on toxic, twisted, broken, and pained relationships which are coming with a mountain of baggage. That is, when it comes to friendships, when it comes to business partnerships, when it comes to romantic relationships, that's what this show runs on. The little moments of clarity, the little moments of hope, are entirely centered around people being honest with each other. And I think that's a kernel of the relationships that the show is emphasizing, which is just fundamentally true, is that for almost any category of relationship, friendship, romantic partner, any aspect of it, 
a certain element of honesty about what you want, where you're coming from, being able to express yourself, your fears, your concerns, your desires, the reasons by which you betrayed them in the past, the reasons by which you're entering into a relationship. Being able to have that level of honesty is the only way it works. If you're not able to have that level of honesty when it comes to another person, you're not actually in a relationship with them. You're engaged in what is something resembling a prolonged form of role-playing. Every For most of the relationships on this show... Two people aren't willing to have the element of vulnerability or the element of risk that comes from being honest with each other. And the rare moments that they show up, the rare moments we see someone being honest, they're so foreign to us. Otherwise, within the landscape of the show, we treat them and view them as profound when they should be foundational. So we only see brief rays of that element of hope when it comes to the show, but it does fundamentally remind me that I think if you want to go down to the honest core by which relationships between people in any context should be built, being able to be have that level of honesty is the starting point. And I think more characters in the show would be better served if they could actually offer that to each other. You said it was near and dear to your heart. Why is this advice near and dear to you? It is something... We, we, you, we had a conversation by text the other day about what we view as like a fundamental tenets of honor with respect to other people. And the first one I offered was honesty. It is one I do strongly believe is if you actually want to treat somebody with a certain element of respect, if you actually want to form some connection with them, honesty is the baseline upon which everything is built. All right. There you go. Spencer's relationship advice to the episode. All right, Spencer, anything, any concluding thoughts about this episode? As a matter of fact, I'll ask you this because we, we did, we, we, we came up short this week. We did not, we did not do, we only did two hours last week. We did a full three. So we have a minute or two here where I want you to do this. Tell me your concluding thoughts about this episode, but then I also want your thoughts about the final four episodes. And if you have any predictions, now would be the time, and I'll do the same thing. This is just an episode of when it emphasizes just how addictive this show is, of where I I just want to know more about where it's going. I want to know. I want, I want to see more about how these characters are going to week by week compete in this horse race that is succession in terms of each trying to jockey over each other. I don't know where it's going to end. I can't predict that. All I can all I can say is that pound for pound, these are some of the most fascinating and well realized characters on television, with dialogue that is eminently snippy and well and, and well structured at every available opportunity. This is peak television. This is the kind of television people are going to talk about in the future, and I think it just represents that week to week. Any thoughts about what will happen in the rest of the season? Any predictions? You ready to give those now, or do you want to do those uh, next if, if, if you want to do like increasing odds as a result of this episode, odds of them all ending up poor and somebody ending up well, in relatively poor, right? Because, relatively yeah. significantly poorer than where they have ever been at any point in this show, except for Connor, I guess. Maybe they, they, <laughs> I, I, Connor still holds Connor's wealth is still secured in stock price too. I mean, as a basis by he was looking for that buyout to occur so he can fund all. Yeah, this. that's a good point. He's still tied up in this. But, they will be like regular people rich, maybe at the end of this series. But I think the odds of that went up. The odds of somebody going to jail went up. Odds of someone dying went up. I, I think those are all things that, as a result of this episode, increased in probability. How about you? So, I think this is a great episode of Succession. This was classic Succession, where they are advancing the plot. You're learning about, continuing to learn about the characters. And they just had my cr- the cringe meter or what, whatever that it, thing is, where you're just like you're actually like balling your fist up yes. in anxiety you're, you're, is happening. You're it was retreating like, into your turtle shell. 
it was going from two to nine to nine to two to two to nine. It was all over the place this episode. It was a very difficult episode to watch right before bed. And so Succession, in that respect, is still clicking on all cylinders. But I do think we're, we're coming to the end of the runway here. I will say this. I think that what they are setting up is a big, massive failure by the kids. Because like, think about the, the difference in um, just like the levels of a stoop from Roman and Kendall from last episode to this episode. It feels like they became like, we know they're stupid, right? But it feels like they acted like 50% more stupid this episode than they did the previous episode. And I feel like if we continue on that spectrum, like it'll be some disastrous ending before we're done. (laughs) That's a terrifying collapse right there. I I will say here's a house theory I'm offering. Um, If this does eventually end with, you know, like somebody going to prison, like, you know, the fraud, fraud or whatever else, a proper Theranos level, you know, investor, inv- investor defrauding here. Uh, Greg is turning state's evidence on everybody at the word jump. Like that guy has now been in everyone's room, in everyone's conversation, seeing every crime at every point throughout the history of the show. He is the ultimate witness, assuming that they actually can get him to be functional on the stand. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they just told me to just make it say it, uh, double the earning. I mean, I, they told me to make it say that. I, I was just doing my job. And who told you to do that? Oh, well, Kendall. Kendall did. That was Kendall. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and who told you to delete all the cruises documents previously? Mm, yeah, that was uh, that was Tom. Uh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna flip on everybody if it gets. I don't think we'll get there because I think they've already done this sort of like they did. It's be real. Re- yeah, I think that they what they're gonna do instead is this sort of price dive off a cliff thing. That's yes. what I think is we're gonna see. Um, but I do think that if I do think the sale will still end up happening, but it will be a it was buying these assets at reduced price, and I do think Shiv will be subsumed into Madsen's company. That's my that's my prediction right now. At least at this point, Shiv is putting herself in the safest position of all of them. It's still not a safe position. Madsen's not a reliable guy to count Fuck on. No. Um but I think she's at least she has her as as Tom warned her about, her always having an exit plan could serve her well here. It could. Yeah, it could. Yeah, I owe you. We'll see. All right. I think that's it for us this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you for joining us each week, walking through succession here in the final season of succession as we go through the runways. We're just about done with the show. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate, review, subscribe, send us your thoughts. You can go to facebook.com slash Mangum Talks or at Mangum Talks on Twitter to contact us or you can go to MangumTalks.com upper right hand corner click contact us fill out the form send it it will come right to me I will filter it if Spencer needs to hear it he will hear it if he doesn't need to hear it he will not hear it but either way you will likely get a response because we like to respond engage with fans talk to you all I'd like to know what you'd all like from us the last few episodes right because we're only I think I think we're going to do four more episodes of this pod I think that's it for Line of Succession I don't I don't see us I don't see this show doing a prequel, sequel, anything. I think this this will be over. So in these last four episodes, what would you guys like from us? Let us know. We'd like to do it because we enjoy the conversation. We enjoy being here with you every week. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back with you next week to review Season 4, Episode 7 of Succession. Hope everybody has a good week.